The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the 8-Bit Suplex here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Support for the 8-Bit Suplex is, of course, brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And, you know, I got to say, I'm excited for this week's episode. We had a great episode last week with Rich Latta of One Nation Radio, uh, filling in for Sandy Gaviria. Uh, Sandy, as some of you have watched Monday Night Raw, was in the audience uh, for the Raw Underground, getting to see firsthand the damage that Arturo Ruas can can lay on to people. Uh, At least I assume that's what happened. I didn't necessarily watch Raw this week. But I did see Sandy there, so that's always very exciting. Um, But I have to say today... This week, it is a very special, what I would like to call the dad edition of the 8-Bit Suplex, because I'm joined uh, by my good friend here, Dan Coffin. Dan, how are we doing this week, bud? <laughs> doing pretty good, man. Um, you know, uh, I was kind of nervous when you first reached out to me to come on the show here, because I obviously, this is not my forte. Um, I've never been on a podcast, TV, radio, anything like that. And uh, you told me, you know, I, I sent you a suggestion like, hey, can we cover that? Can you guys cover this one time? And you're and then, you know, not too long after that, you're like, hey, why don't you come on and talk about this suggestion? Sandy's going to be out. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely uh, definitely sets you up for your in-ring debut, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Listen, but this isn't like, uh, you know, you're stepping into the ring with the Undertaker here or anything. OK, you're you're stepping no, into see- a. Stepping into no, the ring with another with fellow young lion, so, you know. I mean, you're you're a young lion, but I'm following in the footsteps of Sandy, obviously, who's oh, the sure. co-host. Of and, course. And then, you know, like two of the Mount Rushmore of the social suplex, <laughs> Jeremy's been on here. And, of course, yep. Rich was here last week. I got to follow that. Are you kidding me? That's, That's true. Rough. That's true. That's a lot you of pressure. In uh, <laughs> seven episodes here, we've, we've really uh, touched the upper echelon of podcast hosts. And, of course, you know, unfortunately for our listeners, I've been on every episode. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It, you know, we want to get going and rolling here. And, uh, I do want to talk to you, Dan, a little bit, you know, since you are, this is your first time on a podcast. Uh, we are a wrestling podcast. We are a video game podcast. Uh, talk a little bit, Dan, about what first caught your eye about the wild world of uh, professional wrestling. So I've always been into wrestling. Um, I will, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should credit or blame my dad for that. Um, <laughs> 
Because he, he grew up as a wrestling fan when he was a kid. So he got – I'll start with him, right? We'll go way back. Sure. Just like the early 60s. Um, my dad was born in like 49, so when he was like 10, 11, 12, early 60s. My, his uncle, my great uncle, Uncle Bill, uh, up in Indianapolis was the sound engineer for both the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He was the main sound guy there, and then he was also the main sound engineer for the Pepsi Coliseum uh, up at the state fairgrounds, which – Okay. I don't know if anybody might remember just like last year, they had an AEW Dynamite at Pepsi Coliseum last year. I remember fall, that. Right? Yeah. It was I when uh, Moxley faced, yeah, Moxley faced uh, uh, Darby Allen at that. So yes. anyway, he was the main sound guy, and my dad would go to visit him up in Indianapolis because we lived out in the sticks. Even when my dad was a kid, they lived out in the middle of nowhere. But he'd go and visit him up in Indianapolis, and when they'd have concerts or whatever and wrestling shows, my dad would go. And so that's how he got into it. He'd go up and see the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser and all these old guys. And he was always into it. So I don't even remember like the first match I watched, the first show I watched, the first time I was into it. Because as far as I can remember, my dad was watching it with me. Now, the first time I really remember getting into it myself was the rock and wrestling era. era. Because that's when uh, WWF went nationwide. They were on local TV. Um, you know, I'm seeing <laughs> local favorite, quote unquote, Hulk Hogan, you know, on TV, right. you know, Paul Orndorff and all that. And so that's when I started really getting into it. They had the cartoon show on TV and then I've been following it ever since. Um, I, I, me, and it's one of the things that me and my dad, we didn't really get along when I was young. Um, we didn't have a whole lot in common, but that is one thing still to this day that we have in common and we can, we can bond over and talk about, like we've gone to shows together and everything. So ever since then, I've been a wrestling fan. I, I kind of got out of it. They had the WrestleMania, uh, eight, I believe it was in Indianapolis around 93 when they had uh, flair and Hogan and, uh, they had uh, macho man and what it? so it was Hogan and Sid and then macho man and then flair. Um, after that, that was when I was like a teenager, and I kind of, you know, as you get to be an older teenager, you sort of, well, I'm a yeah. man, I put away my childish things, right? Exactly. So I, I still kind of followed it and knew kind of what was going on, but that was also like WWF's, you know, the new generation and all that. So I was just like, eh, I'm getting too old for this Zubaz pants crap. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you were ready never, for that new wrestling to get off your lawn, so to speak, right? Yeah, but. It was, it was like an old girlfriend. You're like, mm, maybe, you know, I kept an eye on her, you know, kind of kept up on what gotcha. she was doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, the NWO was forming and the Attitude Era, right back into it, man. It's like yeah. I never left. Yeah, and now you're and back. Now you've been pretty much back ever since, right? Pretty much. There's been, there's been some dalliances where <laughs> I kind of got away from it. You know, life gets in the way. You know, as a fellow dad. Uh, you yes, know, uh-huh. sometimes there's many things <laughs> that uh, take precedence over, you know, hobbies like watching wrestling. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I, I gave it completely up like I did after 93 till about 97. Uh, but there's been times where I've definitely watched less regularly than uh, than I was before. Now, recently, sure. um, I, I've really gotten back into it. Um, a lot of that has to do with you guys, you know, the local the Largo loop and then, uh, you know, listen to the social suplex. Um, before I met you guys, I had never been to an NXT show. You know, I yeah. I'd gone to a couple of shows with my daughter, which I'm passing on my love of wrestling down to her. She's kind of out of it now, but there for a long time, she was going with me to the shows and stuff. She's 
23 and living in New York, so that makes it hard now. But sure. Um, but once I met you guys, that's when I started. I started going to indie shows and going to the NXT, and you know, Jeremy and Josh got me on to New Japan. Like I had no, sure. idea. I'd heard about New Japan. You know, you you always hear about New Japan when you're watching some of the old, older stuff, and you knew like the NWO and O had been over there and everything. But uh, once Jeremy and Josh got me hooked on New Japan, there's like no going back. Like I started listening to Kiss, right, and started learning the names, and I was watching, and I was like, holy shit, this stuff is really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely. And, and what was when I first started, and, I, and I'm fairly new to New Japan uh, as well. Uh, despite you know being friends with a uh, longtime friend of the pod uh, and the, the network as a whole, Zach Porter, I've known Zach for for just about a decade now. Uh, and you know, inside baseball, he's you know, engaged to my sister, and you know, so he would always wear like New Japan shirts and different things like that. And I was like, oh, man, like I watched the WWE, and and that's about it, right? And you know, I'm going to NXT shows, and and so for me, like when I started kind of rolling with the bigger group of the Largo loop, going to the NXT shows. And then it's like, Oh yeah, well we do a new Japan pro wrestling podcast. And then I was like, okay. So I was kind of similar to you. It was like, I didn't really get into it. And so I, I listened to a couple episodes of keeping it a strong style. I watched, I think wrestle kingdom 12 was the first new Japan thing I ever watched, which I believe was the one with Chris Jericho and, um, and Kenny Omega. I, I think, is that right? Is that what it was? <laughs> I don't know. I, my Wrong memory. podcast for that, man. Listen, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, if we get into much different territory on this podcast <laughs> as far as wrestling goes, uh, you know, because and you know, what dead to dead, our memories dead, they are fleeting. So uh, yeah. that's why that's why uh, we take notes. Um, exactly. And I do. I don't have my Wrestle Kingdom twelve notes up because we're not discussing Wrestle Kingdom twelve on this show. <laughs> um, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but you know, obviously we are a video game podcast too. And the topic that Dan mentioned that he did kind of suggest to us uh, to cover that we've asked him now to come cover with us uh, is uh, in light of the announcement of the two new Batman games uh, coming out uh, in the next year, uh, both the Gotham Knights uh, video game, which is starting a completely new series, and Suicide Squad uh, Killed the Justice League, uh, which is a continuation of the Arkham series, um, which was, I, I think, kind of a shock to some people that that was the continuation. Um, but we'll get into the more of that later. We'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that because it is a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit strange, so to speak. Um, and speaking of strange, um, we are going to get into Impact Wrestling here, Dan. Uh, and just real quickly, <laughs> did you were you ever did you ever watch TNA Wrestling uh, or Impact of any sorts before, like a month ago, when I kind of let you know, hey, I might need you to come on this show. I, I was, I parachute in occasionally, right? Yeah. So, so I didn't really watch it much until uh, one of my two favorite wrestlers of all time, Kurt Angle, left the WWE and went to TNA, right? Sure. And then I would parachute in and watch some of his matches and, you know, against Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and all that. But I was never a regular watcher. I, it was another thing where I kind of kept up with what was going on just sure. in the general wrestling business and kind of, but regular watcher, no. Um, yeah, same. You know, it, once I started just, seeing the it, the regular cast of characters, like, okay, here comes Hogan. Well, Sting's yeah. here. Uh, okay, why is Vince Russo? All time finesse, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's coming out hitting people with guitars. So I, I couldn't yeah. get into it regularly either. And also, like, uh, obviously, you and I are a little bit different in age, and I was that, that sweet <laughs> spot bit. where my mother was uh, very anti professional wrestling to begin with. 
But also, like, if we were watching anything on Spike TV, like, it was, like, immediate grounds for grounding. <laughs> because, you know, of course, you know, if you're not familiar with Spike TV and the brief, I don't know, three-year, four-year existence that channel had, yeah. <laughs> it was very uh, male-centric, so to speak. Right. Um, and so, yeah. maximum in TV form, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, which is why, as a teenager, I loved it. Um, right. But, you know, that's perhaps for another podcast. Um, but so let's dive right in here. Uh, you did watch, uh, you know, the weeks leading up. So, well, you know, the recap we kind of see is just kind of, uh, you know, the Moose EC3 stuff. And of course, uh, Eric Young, uh, getting physical with Scott Demore after he decides that, or well, in the process of deciding that Rich Swan is going to get the title shot at Bound for Glory to get his title or to get the title off of Eric Young and to get some retribution for eric young's brutal beatdown of retribution him. Uh, <laughs> oh no well that's that's a topic for, that's, that's a different <laughs> topic altogether um but you know before we get to uh some more eric young stuff because uh you know he is our impact uh world champion so he is on the show of course um we do start off the night with an x division number one contenders triple threat match between tjp trey miguel and chris bay TJP, of course, is uh, the guy that you love to just say, shut up and rustle. But, yeah, I mean, and you know what? This match, Dan, I thought he did that just that. Uh, and I actually like the intensity that he showed. It's a little bit more than TJP has given us in past weeks. Trey Miguel, yeah. I thought, looked like a million bucks. Uh, and a lot of times I felt Chris Bay was kind of there. But, you know, this is yeah. your first chance to review a card here with, with me here about Impact Wrestling. Uh, what were your thoughts here on this match? So I, let me start with a question, right? So yeah. I'm, you know, I I grew up watching WWE, and a triple threat match in WWE means there's basically no rules, right? Yes. To me, to me, when I hear triple threat, I think kendo sticks, right? It's it's Pavlovian response. It should happen, right? <laughs> so an impact is that the same way? Is it like supposed to be no rules, or is it is it more like a traditional wrestling match with three guys? Uh, now if this was mid-teens uh, TNA. It would mean that all three of them would be uh, bleeding like stuck pigs, right? I mean, right. that's just that's just how <laughs> TNA was back then. Um, I would say so. There is no, to my knowledge, there's no rope breaks, no DQ, that kind of thing. In the same same vein, um, Impact does put some interesting wrinkles on things here and there, though. Like uh, they had a, a gauntlet match battle royal at Slammiversary, where you know the last two competitors had a single elimination match at the end after everyone came into the ring and was eliminated. So it was like a traditional like battle Royal type over the top rope. But then the last two competitors competed in like an actual wrestling match. Okay. So it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. So they, and they never necessarily called it something different. They just called it the knockouts division gauntlet match. So um, yeah, as far as triple threat goes, I, they don't ever talk about any different rules. Um, but I think it really depends on who is in the match, right? Uh, all three of these guys are, are kind of working more babyface, so I didn't think there was going to be any, any uh, cheating, uh, so to speak, or uh, any hardcore stuff. Um, and all three guys are, are high-flying, they're fast-paced, and they're all really technical wrestlers. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, but to answer your question, I don't think there is any DQs that would apply now. Okay. 
Well, no, I'm fine with it, you know, because like I said, in WWE, triple threat automatically, you're, you know, bringing that fuck shit, right? Yep. But like with this, it was like a three-way match where these guys were actually athletic. It was about the wrestling more than the bullshit, which right. I, I, that appeals to me sometimes, right? Right, and I absolutely. thought this was pretty good. Uh, like you said, uh, I mean, TJP, I, I never want to see his Twitter. I never want to hear him talk, <laughs> but I, I like watching the guy wrestle, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with smooth. Yeah. Every match I've seen of him, he does something I've never seen before. Reminds me a lot of, uh, Pentagon and Phoenix. Like those guys are high flyers that bring something at the time. Like he fits right in with those guys. And that's that's some RLPW I can get with. (laughs) What's crazy about him too, is that he also, he'll come up with some submission that you've never seen. And especially too, the past couple of weeks, we've been seeing a lot of triple threats actually out of him. Um, and it's going back to some anniversary and, you know, he's doing a lot of uh, 1v2 uh, submission moves. And, like in I this mean, one, he did the camel clutch with the sharpshooter in there, right? right? I yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I, I did have one problem with it. Sure. Like, he started it and looked really good, and then he just let go of it, right? It's yeah. like, I, I, uh, this is more me, but when I see an awesome submission put in like that, like, I don't want to see just, like, the guy give up giving it, right? Maybe if he's like if he's like struggling to like really lock it in and it's taking yeah. all his energy and he and it just he just can't do it anymore. But that's obviously with TJP, he's not going to give you that with his face or anything. So <laughs> no. that's not what happened there. <laughs> and then the other guys didn't really break out of it either. It's just like they held it for a few seconds, got the camera shot, and then right. he and pulled then just uh, kind of pulled right. Trey Miguel to the side. And so that that yeah, that was a little thumbs down for me from that. But the move itself looked awesome, and yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, it definitely got the good optics that they were going for. And, you know, I, I'll let you talk about kind of your, your experience here watching these other guys. But like I said, I thought Trey Miguel, I mean, the guy was flying all over the place. Um, yeah. He did a lot of uh, the uh, double stomp to Chris Bay when he was draped through the ropes into a, a deep arm drag of TJP from the top turnbuckle. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've, maybe Phoenix is the only other guy I've ever seen attempt that. Um <laughs> Because you pretty don't, good athleticism. You right? don't normally <laughs> you don't normally think, okay, I'm gonna bounce off of this guy who's draped across the middle rope to do an arm drag. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, hey, how do they more power to this stuff, you know? Right? Are they just sitting around the gym like, hey, hang here for a minute, and I'm gonna jump on you and do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you get to practice that move, Dan? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to ask some of our people that are training to find out if they're getting taught this stuff. Or if yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll approach that question with uh, with Sandy uh, hopefully <laughs> next week when she gets back. Um, and then, like you said, Chris Bay, he, he was okay. I I'm not really familiar with him too much. Um, he, he's pretty good, but I it, yeah. it wasn't really standout performance for me from him. I felt like he was he here's the, here's the problem with with Chris Bay in this match is that I I have seen better out of Chris Bay on impact just a few weeks ago. So I think he kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle there with a three-man match. It is a three-way match that only went about seven minutes. So, you know, it's a lot of guys just trying to get their stuff in, trying to get their stuff in. And I felt like TJP and Trey Miguel got their stuff in a lot quicker and a lot, you know, crisper. And I think that's why they were able to get more of it in. Um, But, you know, uh, Eventually, we do get the win here for Trey Miguel, um, and I, I, I neglect to mention that our exhibition champion Raheem Raju had come out from the back and was <laughs> standing ringside in his gear the whole time, alluding right. to the fact that you know what 
they were going to have the X Division Championship match immediately following the. Yeah, uh, they kind of sprung that, didn't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was not advertised. It, and as soon as I saw him come out in his gear, I said, "Oh shit, he's going to wrestle right after. He's going right. to he's going to cash in on these guys, Dan." <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately yeah, for Trey the, Miguel, <laughs> he did the genius chicken shit heel move of like, "Now I'm going to wrestle you." The only th- one time I remember seeing something like this, I was at a SmackDown one time. Sure. And uh, it was when Kurt Angle was feuding with Brock Lesnar. Brock was a face at the time, and Kurt was a heel, and he was running yeah. with uh, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. And he was like, sure. yeah, you got to wrestle those two guys to get to me. And so, right. you know, Brock Lesnar beat the shit out of him for 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And then in the last match was just like Kurt cheated and beat the shit out of him and left. So right, kind of reminded me of that a little bit. So <laughs> – in a similar way, but also completely different, uh, Raheem Raju does none of the beatdown and instead gets right. a roll-up, grabs the tights of Trey Miguel, and beats him in six seconds. Scoots. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it is, you know, it's, your, it's your vintage <laughs> chicken shit heel. He's not paid yeah. by the hour, they like to speak. So, That's right. You know, he got his defense in. and uh, didn't you know get what? out. Now let's see, uh, let's see what happens with the X Division going forward. Uh, it's the only – well, it's – there's two belts that haven't been booked yet for Bound for Glory, the X Division obviously being one of them, uh, and right. the tag team uh, belts being the other. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And I'm, you know, getting ahead of myself because to this point we didn't have the Knockouts Championship match booked. We had thought this was going to be the case. Uh, but before we get to the next match, uh, we got a nice little video package out of Eric Young. Um, mm-hmm. I've really been liking the promo work that he's been doing. I feel yeah. like he is able to really lean into who he wants to be as a, as a character, as a villain, as the, the absolute maniac. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked in weeks past Dan about how he was so good as the leader of sanity, because I felt like we felt like his ability to create was more unleashed in NXT. And once they mm-hmm. took that team out of there, um, they just decided that Eric Young wasn't it. Um, but Eric Young is a legacy TNA guy. He's back right. in Impact. He's tearing it up. Um, I thought this was a pretty solid video package here. Yeah. I mean, he's believable. One, he, yeah. he seems crazy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I'd like to say on this show, he's the only guy that's ever shaved his uh, giant beard off and looked more crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote something in my notes here. I, this, this is going to date me and show you how old I am. Like when I was used to go to the video store, he reminds me of a, guy, an, a character actor named Michael Berryman. And you would probably know him if you saw him. Okay. Um, you might want to Google him. IMDb is um, coming up right now. So do you remember the movie Weird Science from the yes. 80s? Yes. Uh-huh. So he plays a goon at the very end of that. He's also in, uh, I mean, he's a crazy looking guy, shaved head, weird face. He's also in uh, the Hills Have Eyes for the originals from yes. the 70s. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. I just pulled him up. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've seen him, you're like, yeah, I know exactly who that is. That's who Eric Young reminded me of in this, in this vignette. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, Michael Berryman, uh, still active, has a project that came out in 2019. Two of them. Really? Three of them. Yeah. They probably like, won't like, be watching them. No, they're like be great horror flicks. <laughs> Some VOD classics. I'm right. Sure. Not my uh, cup of tea here. Right. But no, it's pretty good. The only the only other thing I would say about Eric Young is in that that little promo video of his, is it has him against the uh, height chart. Uh, yeah. Eric uh, Eric Young uh, is not, not six foot four. <laughs> 
Are you are you referencing the uh, the Bound for Glory uh, commercials that they run throughout? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They played that after his his uh, little promo there. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like that was the commercial they chose to play after a video that we just watched of him. Yeah, right. but um, and they replayed kind of, it later in the show too. So yeah, they're, it's, it's, they're their, really it's their one Bound for Glory commercial. <laughs> right. Well, the, now the, that they're booking more championship matches, maybe next week they'll have some maybe, more. Maybe, right? yeah, you know, I fingers crossed. I'd love to see <laughs> uh, a Kylie Ray uh, commercial versus an Eric yep. Young commercial for multiple oh. reasons, Dan, um, that I won't necessarily get into right here on this podcast. That's more of <laughs> a group chat conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> So speaking of uh, Kylie Ray, her best friend Susie, the formerly known uh, as Sue Young, comes to the ring with uh, to face against the right hand of Deanna Perrazzo, the knockout champion, Kimber Lee. Now, Dan, I'm sure you that when you started going to NXT shows, was Kimber Lee there still? I don't think she was. I don't think I'd ever seen her there. I think she was gone by the time I started. I, actually, I don't really know a whole lot, a lot about her. Okay. So she was someone that I think was they picked her up on the Indies. Uh, off the Indies, I should say, and signed her to NXT after the first May Young Classic. Um, and I think that she thought it was going to be better for her than it was. And I think that happens to a lot of the impact, um, not impact, but the uh, indie wrestlers that kind of go and sign to NXT and then they don't oh, get yeah. pushed up the card immediately, right? Not everyone can be Candice LeRae and just sit there right. forever. A lot of these people, they're the only person in their lives. They're single wrestlers. They're single people. Um, or maybe their spouse or something is also a wrestler that hasn't gotten a big contract somewhere. Um, so from a financial perspective, I think she kind of suffered by taking that NXT deal. Um, yeah. Because she only got booked on small houses. She never made it onto TV, really. Um, Sold I think a bill of goods. Yeah, right. Exactly. You hear, you hear that a lot, right? Exactly. I mean, we've all heard Rich's rants on it, you know. Yes. <laughs> it's a scam. <laughs> In a lot of ways, it is, and and you feel yeah. bad for those people. Um, but I did see her last match live uh, with NXT, which was a house show at the uh, St. Petersburg Armory, and right. she got whooped in about two and a half minutes by Shayna Baszler, uh, who was <laughs> uh, in the process Gosh. of going back for her uh, NXT Women's Championship. Um, right. Or was no, for the was trying to get it for the first time from Ember yeah. Moon, right? So okay. yeah, that, yeah, that was before I I started going to the shows because Ember Moon wasn't there when I started going. Okay, she had already been. I got you. I got you. So yeah, so um, this to say, uh, she's obviously way happier on Impact Wrestling. She's been yeah. prominent on TV, working a lot of matches since she signed. She's only been there officially about two months or so. Um, she signed officially with Impact right about the time that we started doing this podcast, a little bit before. So we've been along with the Impact journey of Kimberly the whole time. And her husband is actually uh, Wince of the Rascals, if you didn't know that, Dan. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, kind of cool to keep it in-house there. Uh, but what we get here is uh, Susie and Kimberly working about a eight-minute match here or so. Um, I actually, you know what? It, I thought at times it felt a little bit draggy. Um, but it's a lot of it is Sue Young <laughs> to Susie kind of doing that character work. I thought so, the bowing uh, was hilarious. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not really familiar with Susie either. Like what is her deal? Okay. I know so, there's like the split personality thing, right? Yeah. So I'll, uh, 
I'll try and and sum <laughs> this up. This? I'll try and sum this up in a very okay. So Su Young is kind of like a demonic presence kind of like character, right? Okay. Or very nefarious, evil kind of thing. Fiendish, and, would you say? I would say nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> we don't use words like fiend on this podcast, Dan. All right, sorry. Um, that, that's me. okay. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, but she's kind of like the the uh, the undead bride kind of kind of thing, right? So then she becomes friends with Kylie Ray, and you know, one thing leads to another, and now you know she's kind of doesn't really remember the Sue Young part of herself. That's why, like, you know, Kylie's like having to like give her like, hey, go do this, or hey, go do that kind of thing. But and you can see, uh, and I think the commentary team does a good job pointing out when she taps into Sue Young's moveset. Um, yeah. Oh, hey. Out in the match quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, and I talked about this with Rich last week, but Madison Rain is, if you want to know what's going to happen on Impact the next couple of weeks, listen to Madison Rain's commentary on a match because she absolutely tips the hand, like Land 100%. Crumbs, huh? <laughs> she, they, she leaves bread loaves. <laughs> so Long-term storytelling. Exactly. <laughs> Just listen to Madison Rain. You'll, you'll have an idea of what's coming up. So obviously, okay. you know, I don't know if it'll happen before Bound for Glory, but I feel like we might have a Sue Young uh, emergence story uh, right. with a feud with Kylie Ray at some point. Um, oh yeah, you but, can see that coming. Yeah, but we do see, you know, Susie gets the win using Sue Young's finisher, uh, the Panic Switch, uh, which is a yeah. pretty brutal move. I was gonna say that was that looked pretty rough to take. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. There's a couple of moves on this episode that I I kind of cringed at. Um, yeah. We'll get into one in the There's main one event. I, I the really one in the main event. That. I think you and I probably have the same one. Um, mm-hmm. But the the panic switch gets the win here. Deanna Perazzo, of course, decides she's going to attack Kylie Ray. Um, they fight back, and Kylie Ray, uh, while here's the thing, and I never understand this. I understand it's professional wrestling. And you always do your signature move when you're doing a beatdown, I guess. But <laughs> when it's a two-on-one, hey, Deanna, don't do not do the Fujiwara armbar. <laughs> no way. You got to bust that out every time. <laughs> she, of course, leaves her face wide open for the super kick from Kylie Ray, who right. does it in sandals. And yeah, that's an she completely slips after. She completely yeah. slips. Um, <laughs> they're very fortunate that neither uh, performer was injured on that super kick. Uh, because I could just see knees just, you know, doing this. And, yeah, I, for those uh, that are not watching, I took my hands and I swished them away like a, you know, like a swim move here. <laughs> but, you know, I thought it was a good match. Good to see uh, Susie, the teasing that Susie, Sue Young thing. And yeah. right now, Kimberly doesn't need the wins, in my opinion. No, she's still building herself. The only thing I would say about the match was it, it was pretty long. I I remember at one point Madison was like, oh, I'm surprised this has gone on as long as it has. I was like, yeah, no shit. Me too. I'm right there with you. Let's, let's yeah. wrap this up. Yeah. Tapping my yeah. watch as I'm watching here. Like I said, Madison Rain on commentary will always tell you exactly what you need to hear. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's it was long. It, like I said, it was only eight, eight minutes, 19 seconds, according to Cage Match. It felt longer. It did. But I think that's just because it was so much of it was character work. Yeah. Um, and like I mentioned, like, or like there's the whole, like, you know, Kimberly kind of does her signature, like uh, bowing kind of uh, thing. And Sue Young 
bows 90 degrees at, at the waist to, you know, like show respect, but then just does that to dodge a bunch of strikes. It was kind of, <laughs> it was, it was corny, but it, you know, I, I thought it was pretty great. Yeah. But it was, uh, before, it was okay match before the match fade to black. Kylie Ray, of course, does cut a, uh, a screaming promo, uh, at Deanna <laughs> Perrazzo. Um, my, my one criticism, Dan, always of, of Kylie Ray, and it's not really a deep criticism is she doesn't seem to be very comfortable on the mic. She knows her yeah, character. She's excellent in the ring, um, but she's just got to she's got to get those mic reps up. So what it reminded me of was like a Charlotte Flair promo, the, the cadence and everything. It sounded right. very WWE women's like promo school type. Yeah. And Deanna at Bound for Glory. Right. You know, it's, it's, you're looking at the sheet like and it says insert name, insert event. Yeah. Insert match. And Josh right? on eight bit suplex. I'm gonna tell you all about Impact Wrestling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you know what? It's okay. We now know that that match is gonna happen at Bound for Glory. We don't have to, you know, yeah. sit here and say, okay, are we gonna wait six weeks to talk about this match? Like, what's going on here? Um, it is gonna be at Bound for Glory. It is our second match announced for Bound for Glory. The first one last week, of course, Eric Young versus Rich Swan for the uh, Impact World Championship. And as the uh, match fades to black here, we get a commercial for <laughs> hashtag Heath for Impact. Hey, Dan, yeah. I got to be honest. I was laughing literally out loud at this. Uh, so I was smirking through the first part, and then by the end, I was I was popping. Yeah, yeah it was, it was you, pretty good. Because <laughs> here's, here's the thing about Heath, and this is true of him always, right? The guy's so damn charismatic. He's a yeah. likable guy. And when he's doing this corny shit, and I was kind of smirking, kind of like, okay, like kind of same as you. And then when Rhino gets involved, like, <laughs> and Rhino's Terrence doing this, Rhinoceros Garen. <laughs> yeah, and he's just standing there stiff as a board with his arms kind of held out in front of him, and he's reciting his lines. And then the cameos, once they started pumping the cameos in. Uh, yeah, I was I mean, shocked. David Hasselhoff. Uh, Hoff showing up. <laughs> Flavor Flav. Yes. Nancy Kerrigan. Yes. So then, so the the one that threw me off was Chuck Norris. Like he looked a million years old in his cameo. I could barely tell yeah. it was him. Yeah. I I, I mean I, it's sad. You you're know? telling Chuck me Norris, you're telling like, you're telling me it was him and and I still don't know that I believe it, right? I saw I didn't it happen. I know who it was at first and then he was like, "Oh, I'll tell some Chuck Norris jokes or whatever he said." And I was like, "Oh my god, that is that that is Chuck Norris." Like Yeah, it was the guy who fought Bruce Lee 50 years ago in the Roman Coliseum. He looks well, like shit. Well, it looks like he fought 50 years ago, Dan. I think that's probably yeah. what, what it is. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of him to his face. He's still whipped my ass, but Oh, sure. You know, He's he certainly still a black belt. Um yeah. then of course, you know, we have a little bit of a, a back and forth with Heath and his old friend DeLorean Brown. Um, DeLorean Brown, what a great name! <laughs> I love that. And then, of course, you know Heath's kids. Uh, I thought were pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Popping in, especially his older daughter saying, "Like, listen, my dad's been wrestling for 14 years. He doesn't have any other skills. He doesn't know anything else." <laughs> was, that, her, his older daughter there was pretty seasoned on the. You know, she looked like she'd ready for commercials and stuff. She's, listen, man, she was uh, she was reciting those lines like a like a pro, hitting yeah. her spots. Right, dude. Perfect timing, cadence. The younger kid how even was Well, his other eighteen kids do it. That you know. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, uh, Dan and Rhino pointed this out to us a couple of weeks ago on Impact Wrestling when Heath was saying that he had a bunch of kids, and Rhino's like, "Dude, it's you have two. 
And that was yeah, the first time I like you had 20. And I was like, yeah, uh, I don't know. Is that's that the many, first but... time I think I had ever uh, heard the actual number of kids that Heath Slater has. And it is, in fact, <laughs> two. <laughs> yep. So, well, I'll tell you what, as a dad, you know that having two kids feels like having 20 a lot of times. So. Having one kid feels like having 20 a lot of times, especially yeah. when, you know, they're sitting there rooting through the refrigerator. And my kids are at the age right now, right, where if they want something out of the fridge, they go, they open the fridge, and then they'll open to the drawer that the juice pouches are in. They'll get a Capri Sun out, but then they can't shut the drawer. So right. they just leave the fridge door open. <laughs> you know, they don't even like, ask you to come to it, huh? They just oh, – Well, they're just kind of like, I can't shut the drawer, and then they just kind of leave the fridge. And like wherever I am in the house, <laughs> yeah, I got to – Right. You know, it's one of those times where like I'm ha- happy I don't have a mansion, right? Because, uh, you know, I can just I'll kind of – have to call you know, on the intercom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But – you know, we get to uh, roll on through here with some more backstage stuff. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you've noticed this as you were catching up on Impact. Impact likes to string a lot of this stuff together uh, in between mm-hmm. matches to just kind of uh, give you a prolonged break in the action. And then also not kind of do this one, 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 one uh, kind of thing that right. you get a lot of times with wrestling. Uh, right. You'll get your backstage, your vignettes, your, your commercials, all of that kind of just hits in a row. Uh, I kind of like it. You know, some people might not. You know, it's different than it's a different presentation than what we get everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna put it somewhere. It's I like that it's different. How about that? They're, yeah. Uh, I, it's better than the same cookie cutter. You know, every week is the exact same. This minute is this. This minute is that. You know, the, here's yeah. our JVC kaboom of the week, and then they go right, right into the match, and then <laughs> you know, a promo and then a commercial. Yeah, yeah, I like them mixing it up. Yeah, it's I mean, nice. I'll be. I'll tell you right now. I was pleasantly surprised watching Impact. Like I, I, I was leery at first, but you know, I'll, I'll yeah. wait till the end to give you my final declaration. But uh, and that's totally good. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say too. Like when I when I first started talking to Jeremy about you know putting this show on the network, and I said, yeah, we'll cover something different, so that you know the Social Suplex Podcast uh, Network listeners are not just going to sit there and hear about Impact or not Impact, but about AEW and. NXT and you know all this stuff for the fourth time, you know yeah we'll cover Impact. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I hadn't watched Impact uh, other than Slammiversary uh, to that point, Dan. So I right. signed up. And I was like, oh shit, like what did I get myself into? Uh, but I've been <laughs> I've been very pleasantly surprised. It's an 85 minute show. Um, it moves pretty quick with no commercials. Um, so I don't watch it live. Um, I don't know so, anyone that has access TV uh, personally. That's the but, thing. I would probably watch this more if I if it was more accessible, right? Yeah. I don't get access TV. Yeah. I, and Twitch, I don't think they have the replays available, right? They just they show don't it do live. the replays. You but you can watch it live. I think twice. Right. I think they okay. show it 8 p.m. and then I think they show it again at 11 p.m. Uh, when they do the other uh, access TV. Um, show like the West the re, Coast. The re, yeah, the rebroadcast West Coast feed. Okay. But yeah, because if if it was on a regular more because I that's another reason why I never really watched it before, because it was a jumping around between, you know, pop TV and some like rural tractor channel or some shit. I don't even know. <laughs> right. Right. It's like that, that really makes it hard to enjoy your product when I can't find it. So, um, right. Exactly. I mean, they do have Impact Plus, but I mean, are you really going to spend money on that if you haven't already been introduced to it on something? So it's, yeah. it's kind of tough. It, it is a tough sell, and I, I will say this, and and 
the biggest value to Impact Plus, uh, not to give them any free plugs or anything, but the biggest value is the back catalog. Um, right. Which, oh, you know, yeah. we got to see uh, a back catalog. They kind of do this sometimes if they're trying to fill up a little bit of space uh, in the night. They'll show like a quick, you know, from the vaults uh, moment. Right. Like, you know, yeah, this they week. one a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and we'll get to that. But, you know, let's say the back catalog has some awesome stuff. If you watch uh, AEW and you want to see more of uh, Proud and Powerful and you want to see more Lucha Bros. Uh, you want to yeah. see some Eddie Kingston, you know, go check out impact because all those guys were there, uh, for right. several years. Um, and they had some, uh, I mean, uh, prime powerful, of course, you know, LAX at the time, uh, and Lucha bros have some absolutely, if you're into tables, ladders, chairs, and thumbtacks, um, definitely go check out those guys matches, uh, on impact plus, uh, backlog. And of course, you can add that onto your Fight TV uh, subscriptions, also, not to give them a free plug either. Right. Um, but yeah, so do they like, they have all the whole TNA library then? I believe so. So I can go back and watch my Kurt Angle versus Samoa Joe, and yeah, watch some AJ Styles. You can watch every I believe every pay per view that they've done is on there. Some Jay Lethal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tampa, you know, Tampa Bay local uh, Jay Lethal uh, trainer, yeah. of course, of our. Uh, my co-host Andy. Um, I can go just yeah. put aces and eights on repeat and just watch those guys all day long, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Go check out the back catalog. You know, hey, listen, if WWE is going to sell you a, a network subscription for ten bucks and advertise the big draw of it being the WCW library, I'd argue that you know Impact's got a pretty good one too. Uh, yeah. You know, but hey, it's not for everybody. But for me, I like going back and watching that stuff. But yeah, it's good. Uh, We'll get back into the the show here a little bit after the little uh, side thing. Uh, backstage, we see the Motor City Machine Guns are talking to the good brothers, of course, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. Uh, you know, they're kind of saying, hey, man, you owe us a thanks for uh, stepping in last week when the Rascals couldn't go. And uh, the Rascals are, for some reason, uh, very pissed off at the good brothers, um, which I can't really comprehend why, because they weren't the ones that kicked the crap out of them backstage. Uh, right. But the Rascals uh, decide they're gonna they they want the Good Brothers in the ring to earn some respect. Doc Gallows, of course, plugs his beer, um, which he does every week now. His talking shop brewskis, uh, or talking. Have you tried skis. one of those? <laughs> uh, no, and I don't think that I ever will. Um, and a, a side note: the last gimmicky celebrity beer that I had was the Mmm Hops uh, beer that was. <laughs> Uh, in fact, <laughs> brewed by the Hanson brothers, uh, of course, famous for their song, Bop. Yeah, sounds delicious. No, thanks. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm going to lay it straight here. I mean, it was a four-star beer. I mean, it was a pretty pretty solid uh, pretty solid IPA. Um, but, you know, that's how, perhaps for the beer podcast, um, which I don't have one. I probably could, but I don't have the time for it. So That falls just, under uh, the purview of the dad pod, too. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah. Listen, I mean, you got to talk brewskis, right? That's what Doc Gallows teaches me. You just got to be a good brother and talk brewskis. Yeah. So, but you know, after that, we get the uh, aforementioned "Bound for Glory" 2013 clip of AJ Styles versus Bully Ray with Taz yeah, everybody's on commentary. Favorite. Um, you know, it was it, it's just it's funny to see how many such serious top talents. Passed through the doors of TNA Impact, 
and they uh-huh. squandered it. And I'm not talking about Bully Ray when I say that, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> just, for, just so we're clear on that. The exception that proves the rule. Bully <laughs> Ray. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, AJ Styles, you've mentioned already Samoa Joe is there. Kurt Angle has some killer matches still in TNA yeah. um, before he really fell off the cliff uh, after his prime. Yeah, EC3 the first time was really good. Eric Young was always really good. Uh, you know, Brian Myers, who we'll talk about in a few minutes here. He was really good there. Uh, you got, you know, you, I mean, they even had Hardy boys, the Hardy right? boys there, right? Uh, they, you know, now Jeff Hardy, of course, has an infamous uh, championship match with Sting that we won't get into. Um, but, you know, uh, Matt and Jeff came up with the whole concept, basically, of cinematic wrestling while at, at TNA, right? Um, yeah. Young Bucks, of course, were there. Of course, they weren't called mm-hmm. that. Um, so there's just so many guys that have passed through those doors. Uh, New Japan guys came over on a, you know, yeah. excursions. Okada stuff. So, was there, right? Okada was there. I watched a match with Okada in it a few weeks ago. It's just kind of like you're just sitting, you're just looking at it and you're just like, wow, how many good talents have come through yeah. here? And Jeremy you know, showed me some match with Tanahashi in it the other. Day. Yeah, and you're just you're <laughs> just looking at it and you're like, they if they did not try to go head to head with Monday Night Raw, I yeah. think they would still be as prevalent as the number two brand. That's that's yeah. my my personal feeling on it. Um, of course, you know if they did that today uh, with the roster that they have now, or what they what they had then, you might be able to say, all right, now Monday Night Raw is vulnerable enough. You can pull some viewers off of it um, and run a show on Mondays. But at the time, I mean, people were still watching cable television, and Monday Night Raw was still pulling in big numbers, and it was it was a dumb move. I'll tell you what, man. I remember when they they switched to Monday nights and made a big deal about it. And you, know, I, was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to see what they got. And I watched one show, and I think it was Hogan and Bischoff and all this. And I was like, you know what? I saw this shit you know, <laughs> right. 10 it's, years ago, 15 years ago. mid to late 90s WCW again. Right. Yeah. I felt the like, same. It was sad. <laughs> it was. But, hey, listen, if you have an Impact Plus subscription, go back and watch that Bound for Glory 2013 match. Uh, you know, I yeah. watched a little bit of it today uh, after the fact. And uh, it's a pretty brutal, you know, AJ Styles is still AJ Styles. And, of course, you know, Bully Ray is, you know, going to take some big plump, big lumps and give some big lumps. And, right. Yeah, you know, say what you will about him. He does take some nice bumps, you know. He, I, the man, listen, he's ECW for life. And uh, he will definitely take unprotected chair shots until the day he dies. And <laughs> which as, as many unprotected chair shots as he's taken. I'm okay with be, that. Could be sooner <laughs> than later. <laughs> he needs to take more. <laughs> yeah. So after that clip, we come back. Uh, we see an EC3 uh, vignette uh, talking about controlling his narrative. Um, EC3, hmm, what's he mean by that, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, might be talking about his time in, in Orlando, Florida. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, he's he's been setting up this big match with Moose. To me, this is an obvious collision course for Bound for Glory. Um, right. I, I'm looking forward to that match when it happens um, because I don't know if Moose – I don't know if you got to see Moose when you were watching back. Moose is extremely talented, yeah. super athletic guy. EC3, we've seen what he's capable of both before his two matches or whatever it was in NXT, before he, they right. put him on main event purgatory. Um, and going back to his TNA run uh, when he was the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. So I'm excited, you know – I don't need to see as much video and recap of those two guys as they've been given. Um, yeah. I'd be okay if they took a week off of it 
to just let us kind of simmer on what's been happening. Um, but you know, I thought he's he's cutting good promos in the videos. We'll see what happens when it's a live mic. Uh, if he still yeah. got it, I think he does. I don't think he. I think he does too. Ability, I don't but... think he was ever given the opportunity really at NXT, and he definitely wasn't when they, you know, quote unquote, called him up, and he stood yeah. backstage with a mirror for like, you know, eight weeks or something, and never said anything. Yeah, uh, and then but then like, got replaced like with said, Mojo Rawley in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, like you said, we've we've seen this guy before. We know he can go. You know, he just needs the opportunity, and I think he really wants to prove himself with this match with Moose. And yeah, I it might steal the show, man. Those it guys might. can go. It might, you know, they'll, I mean, on the pay-per-view, they'll get probably 12, 14 minutes. You know, let's see what you guys can go. I mean, those guys yeah. can both really ramp it up. Of course, you know, it'd be a step up in opponent for Moose uh, from his last pay-per-view opponent, which was Tommy Dreamer in a old school's rules match. Um, How dare you? <laughs> listen, listen, obviously I am, I am a, the president of the Dreamer Club. Okay. <laughs> um, and we'll get into, you know, some more Tommy stuff, but uh, when he, when he wrestled Moose, uh, at Slammiversary, Moose slammed him onto thumbtacks. And I said, mm. man, uh, I really don't ever need to see Tommy Dreamer go through any more thumbtacks. And that, that's, of course, when I received uh, the direct message uh, that I talk about so much on Twitter right. from Tommy Your Dreamer best friend, himself. Tommy Dreamer, right? My best friend, Tommy Dreamer. Um, <laughs> he sent me a message back that said, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. obviously great to see. He has, he has a pretty good humor about himself as always. Uh, speaking of, you know, we get into some Johnny Bravo and Rosemary uh, wedding planning with the quote-unquote groomsmen, um, which for some reason, uh, Johnny Swinger has selected the Deaners, Alicia Edwards, Johnny Swinger, Crazy Steve, and of course his best man, Falaba. Now, so uh, I haven't been watching for very long, but like basically they just ran out of shit to do in wrestle house. And so they shoved them all into this story. Right. Is that what I'm seeing here? Yeah. I, I think that's, I think they got positive reactions from those characters being in wrestle house. Yes. Um, I'm sad and, that it's not around. I, I mean, I was hoping to talk about wrestle house on my, my debut show, but well, we don't get to you know, Dan, this is our show. This is the dad pod. And as dads, we set the <laughs> rules. Let's, let's talk some wrestle house because I miss it too. <laughs> it was surprisingly entertaining. It was entertaining. Right? It was entertaining. I, I, wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting much, and it overdelivered. So <laughs> it did. It did because you know I everything is like so uh, like overacted. It's so cheesy. It's so corny. But like coming out of it, right? Uh, I think AC Romero looked great uh, doing all the Wrestle House stuff. He's obviously someone that can shine on the mic, and he's a great story talking about his weight loss and and different yeah. things. Obviously, he's still, you know, tagging with Larry D. Um, when Larry D. did the Lawrence D. stuff uh, and was wearing the ring rust uh, cologne uh, as a tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> like he's got ring rust because he's not wrestling. He's at Wrestle House, right? Right. Uh, I mean, just little things here and there were just so funny. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Tommy Dreamer being the, the booker of the house and, you know, a little bit of, you know, inside baseball of what we see. You know, of course, you know, we, we know Tommy Dreamer does a lot of booking. Uh, yeah. you know, it seemed like their involved. answer to BTE kind of, but it was on their show a little bit. Yes. Like with, with the storylines and the, the inside baseball and stuff like that. And, and so. honestly, his, and being Lily obviously is, is a, a fantastic YouTube series. Um, it's very entertaining, but for the casual fan that wants to know the, what's going on off screen, um, mm-hmm. 
it, it's it, it adds in that extra viewing, right? You got to go right. to YouTube. You got it's not even on the AEW channel. You have to seek it yeah. out. And it's obviously I'm not knocking the show at all, and it obviously does does very well on YouTube. Lots of viewers uh, worldwide. Uh, but you know, if you're talking about especially a company like Impact, that if they did Russell House on YouTube, it would fail tremendously. Yeah. But I think the way that they set it up, the way they presented it, it was almost like that uh, surreal life, uh, you know, kind of, you know, throw all your celebrities in the house, see what happens uh, kind right. of show. Uh, I thought everyone did great on it. I feel like in the episodes I saw, they didn't overstay their welcome with it. Um, right. I feel like this is if this is on, you know, some other larger shows, maybe they would like go back to it like six times a night and just run it into the ground and everybody would be sick of it. Right. Right. But I think exactly. that, like they pretty much did like one big segment, a show and that's, that's all you really need to get those guys over. Yeah. I will say that the, uh, the brawl between uh, team triple XL Larry D and uh, AC Romero and the Deaners, uh, which I think was, might've been the last episode. I think it was the last part, last segment that we ever got of Russell house. I mm. felt like that brawl went incredibly long. It was very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you had your ping pong spot. You had your car spot. It was a grand you finale. Ele- they gotta, you had your yeah, elevator it's... spot. You had your stage spot. I mean, you name it. There was a spot for it. But, yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I, I And it's funny that you mentioned that, that these are all the characters from Russell House now involved in this story, with the exception, of course, of, of Kylie Ray and Susie, right. who have other business to attend to. Uh, Alicia Edwards – Right, exactly. Alicia Edwards had a brief break where, of course, she almost got uh, the pile driver from Eric Young after she smacked the shit out of him. And, uh, yeah, you know, thanks to Chami Dreamer for the save on that one. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we see some argument uh, start happening here because Johnny Swinger thinks that, that, you know, the swingman's the only guy that could be the best man. You know, not not this guy, not Falaba. And, of course, you know, Tommy Dreamer peeks around the corner with a callback to Russell House trying to book the match. And of course, uh, Bravo shuts him down and says, listen, man, we're not in Russell house anymore. <laughs> so sad <laughs> you, when I heard him say that. I was so I, disappointed. I know, and you see the look of anguish on dreamers face, right? Like poor Tommy. I wrote that on my notes. Like poor Tommy. <laughs> listen, that man's been trying to get himself over since 1989. Okay. I mean, that's he's, he's been doing a pretty damn good job. Hey, he's over on this show. <laughs> he is. He is. And what's funny too is I, I feel like impact has a lot of, of younger viewership that, maybe don't know Tommy dreamer as well as even like people my age would know Tommy dreamer. Cause you know, that whole like ECW late nineties rolling into the ECW WWF. Um, and then of course he stuck around and then went to TNA and he's kind of hovered around TNA pretty much since he left WWE. Uh, he and Christian, I think went about the same time over there. Uh, who was someone we forgot to mention earlier when we talked about TNA oh, legends. Yeah. Another one of my um, favorites. Yeah. So, you know, uh, really good stuff uh, in this little backstage segment. Kind of, you know, good corny stuff. And, of course, you know, we do find out later on that the match does get made between Johnny Swinger and Falaba for next week. Of course, right. uh, though Tommy didn't Tommy didn't book it. Um, but it, it probably came from Scott Demore if I had to, to choose a uh, kayfabe reason there. Um, right. But then the next segment we get is Tommy Dreamer in another shirt confronts Brian Myers after he flips the table angrily. And I thought this was really good promo work out of both of these guys. 
And they're These really guys are professionals, man. They know how to do it. They know how to do it. And of course, Brian Myers, of course, is the quote unquote most professional wrestler. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah it, it sets up what I think is going to be probably one of those undercard matches at Bound for Glory. Um, they mm-hmm. talk you a little bit about how uh, Brian Myers is now the same age that Tommy was when Tommy hired Brian all those years back. Um, and I believe that was a reference to hiring him at TNA. Um, I don't believe it was a WWE reference because Tommy wasn't doing any of that uh, when Brian went over there. Um, but you know, a little bit, a little bit master student, a little bit, you know, father son. Uh, they, you know, they leaned into that father son narrative pretty hard. Both guys face to face really gave a you know pretty pretty solid promo here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him go against each other. I wrote down uh, here, kick his ass, Tommy. I want to see it. Oh, <laughs> dude, right. As as the dads, we want to see the dad character whip that young guy's Definitely. ass. Definitely, you know who we're siding with, yeah. <laughs> and we're saying young guy, but you know, Brian Myers is like thirty nine years old, so. You know. Hey, he's young to me. But you know, whippersnapper. He's in between us. He's in between us. But you know, of course, you know Tommy Dreamer is uh, you know pushing late forties. Um, amazing that Tommy still find he's going to find his yeah. way to get booked into another pay per view. Um, in 2020, yeah, a lot of miles on the, uh, that chassis. Yeah. 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 And I, I think I've mentioned it before on the show. I, I listened to Tommy, I believe one time on the edge and Christian, uh, podcast, uh, years ago. And he was saying, uh, he really struggles to fly places. So he tries not to book himself mm-hmm. out West, um, because his body's so banged up to be cramped up in a coach, uh, airplane is just, it yeah. takes him a full day to recover. Um, yeah. and a lot of I mean, times he's not a small guy, he's got to wedge no. himself in those seats and bend up. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not a big guy and it kills me to fly across country. So well, and then I, also I you and I, Dan also haven't taken, you know, 20 foot bumps through tables. That's what so. I mean. Yeah. Like if it hurts me, I know it hurts him. Right. Just the change in pressure alone probably does its damage. Oh yeah. But yeah, speaking of changing pressure, uh, we have, uh, Cody Diener walking out to the ring with, of course, with cousin Jake. This is the uh, the tried and true wrestling trope of this guy has a match. They don't announce who the opponent is, of course, uh, because there is no plan for a match. Because Eric Young comes out and he uh, decides he's going to dome uh, Cousin Jake with the belt. And then he takes out Cody Diener, brings him to the ring, starts beating the piss out of him, gives him the pile driver. And I don't know about that- you, but... That was a really t- powerful pile driver, too. <laughs> it was a pretty strong. Eric Young hits a great pile driver. He does. But I don't know about you, Dan. When someone sells the pile driver by doing the tremors of their body, like they're paralyzed, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> I just can't watch that anymore. I, the only person I've ever seen that really pulled it off well to me was uh, Devon Dudley when he'd take a big hit and they, he'd shake, and I'd be like, oh man, maybe he's really hurt. You know, I got worked. but. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, you know, of course, we see, you know, Cody Dean is, of course, working the hand, kind of, you know, freaking out. Yeah, he's a little, legs are moving. a little overdoing it there. A little bit. But you know what? It's still a hell of a pile driver from Eric Young. Yeah. Of course, uh, he starts to work the knee and the ankle like he has with everyone else trying to ruin their career. He's screaming, you know, uh, that it's all Scott DeMore's fault. It's all Rich Swan's fault. He should have stayed out of it. Shouldn't have, should have just let it go. Um, and, of course, you know, Cousin Jake tries to, you know, intervene. Well, he winds up getting the piss beat out of him, too. And then eventually they get the upper hand. And Eric Young rolls to the outside, screaming at him. Uh, but then, you know, tried and true, uh, he waits until they turn their back. He gets back in the ring and then just takes the ever-loving piss out of Cousin Jake. 
What a and, dastardly move. <laughs> and, right. I, but, you know, what's funny is I can't remember too much in wrestling, Dan, where the heel leaves the ring and then re-enters it. I, I can't remember that happening too, too much. Well, yeah, that's what this segment went on quite a bit, right? It did. It, it did. I mean, it, he was beating on him for a while. <laughs> I, I think it might have went on a little. They were trying to fill some time, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And what's funny, too, is, you know, the commentary team uh, the whole time are like, is anybody coming out? Any? No, <laughs> nobody. Vampire, play my music. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no. It's track seven. It's track seven. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then eventually, of course, you know, he does give the pile driver also to cousin Jake. Uh, Scott, the comes out, starts yelling at him. He gets physical with Scott, the And then surprise, surprise, Eddie Edwards comes out um, and right. gets to save. Now what kept Eddie Edwards from saving the Deaners? I'll never know, but he does he save Scott Demore. Well, <laughs> he hardly cares about Scott. Gotta save the either. boss, right? Yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. Um, but and then he announces uh, he go after that they go backstage, and uh, Eddie Edwards is furious with Scott Demore because he gave away his, uh, you know, his contracted rematch. Um, because I don't know if you're uh, aware of this, Dan. Impact keeps the uh, champions are entitled to a rematch clause. Uh, okay. that's still prevalent there. Like WWE used to have, uh, before they, they decided said they got just, rid of it and they didn't. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Back and forth. Right. <laughs> Impact's never gotten doing. rid of it. You you're entitled to, I like consistency. That's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, Eddie Edwards gets uh, announced that he's going to be trying to get the title back from Eric young at victory road, which is going to be on impact plus the first Saturday of October. This is the first that they've said anything about it. Um, I don't know if yes. they're trying to drum up some viewership ahead of Bound for Glory. Uh, but any time that you put your championship belt on the line the in a small pay-per-view, the month of a big pay-per-view, uh, right. I, this, this belt's not changing hands. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about Mr. Damore. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, is he just like a booker or what is his deal? Yeah. So he's the executive vice president of, of, uh, impact wrestling. So he's kind of the, the quote unquote, the guy in charge. He's the booker. He's the, you know, the, the whole nine yards. So so he's, he's your kind of a GM character, so to speak. Okay. I kind of thought that I, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure. I was just like a guy in a suit. So he looks like Bruce Pritchard to me. So I wrote down on my notes that he's from now on he's he's Deuce Pritchard to me. I you know what? I like it. Um, I I will say that he's not booking things like Bruce says these days. Thank God. No. Um, he's just actually the look. that was the only thing. Just the look. Yeah, you know, he does have that kind of you know. And he did work for WWE for a time. Um, okay. But yeah, he is he is the co-executive vice president, so to speak, of Impact Wrestling. Uh, he okay. was a professional wrestler and, and, you know, trained by Al Snow. And so he's, he's got a lot of years in the business. Uh, certainly yeah, his name sounds familiar. I've probably seen him at some point somewhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what years he was there at, at WWE. Uh, maybe he didn't go there. He was like around there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So he's, he was, he uh, worked at TNA from 03 to 10. So you probably saw him. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I did misspeak. You know, there was rumors uh, about him going to WWE. I don't see that he ever actually officially went there. Um, mm. But he did uh, He did go – when Jeff Jarrett left TNA, he did go and was the uh, vice president of internal relations at Global Force Wrestling, uh, the oh, Jeff wow. Jarrett promotion. So, 
Great. Uh, but it's funny. That the, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? It is uh, something to note here. He did train um, a lot of people, um, a lot of professional wrestlers. Uh, and, and this is something I'm finding out for the first time as I've, I'm looking at his page here. Uh, but uh, Petey Williams, uh, okay. Rhino, Chris wow. Saban, Alex okay. Shelley, Moose, the glorious Bobby Roode, <laughs> uh, Sienna, who we know on, on NWA, um, Gail Kim, trained under Scott Demore, um, wow. and Big then uh, Eric Young also, ironically, uh, trained under him. And this is a name that kind of shocks me that he ever trained with him. And it may have been an, an excursion type thing. I'm not sure. Um, but Kushida uh, trained under Scott Demore as well. Huh. So interesting, especially since the, the wide yeah. variety of styles there. But yeah, yeah, you know, but it's good to see Scott Demore getting work still, you know, getting, getting <laughs> you know, he probably as the EVP doesn't want to be taking those uh, pile drivers. So I'm sure he's very happy. Uh, Eddie Edwards uh, not, saved him. Not from Eric Young. He doesn't. Hell no. No. <laughs> and uh, not from Sammy Callahan either, Dan, which we learned about in this next match. Right. Now, I, I joked around with you, Dan, that, that this next match, uh, which is, of course, Rob Van Dam, uh, accompanied to the ring by the one and only Katie Forbes versus yeah. Sammy Callahan. Now, this has been a pretty ugly back and forth feud. And they announced that there's going to be a weird stipulation here. And to me, this smelled like bullshit from the start, which was <laughs> if Rob Van Dam wins, Katie Forbes gets five minutes in the ring alone with Sammy Callahan because she yeah. wants to beat the piss out of him. And um, yeah, it was odd. I've, ne- it, I've never seen that before. <laughs> very odd stipulation. Um, but then again, we haven't seen uh, anyone like Katie Forbes before, Dan. Um, <laughs> at least uh, yeah, I haven't. She's very she's, unique. Yeah, she stands out in the crowd. I'll say yes. that. And uh, she definitely takes it from TV PG to TV 14 when she's in the room. Yeah. The real um, rated R superstar. <laughs> right. Rob Van, Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes. Um, of course, you know, I, I, I've said this before in this podcast. When I when we first started this, I said, listen, we're going to try and stay positive. We're not going to say things that like we hate about the show. Uh, we'll just skip it. And I joked and I quipped like, for instance, anytime RVD has a match, we probably won't talk about it much. But... <laughs> For the most part, RVD has kind of made me eat my words because it looks like like I can still work a pretty competent match here. Now, this yeah. match goes nine minutes, seven seconds, probably a little on the long side for Rob Van Dam these days. And it doesn't help that Sammy Callahan's the other guy because I don't think he can go very long either. Um, right. And for him, it's an out-of-shape thing, not an old thing. But some pretty good hard-hitting stuff. Rob Van Dam still hits his kicks pretty good. Uh, he's just, He still knows what he's doing, man. He, there he was a scary moment, scary moment when he hit the rolling thunder on the outside. It looks like yeah. he got caught on the pad. Um, it looked rough. <laughs> that was, oof. yeah, maybe stick to doing that one in the center of the ring, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, of course, uh, we get some shenanigans um, in the finish here where Katie Forbes sprays hairspray in the face of Sammy Callahan. And then yeah. Rob Van Dam <laughs> does a weird kind of uh, scissors to the waist takedown with his legs. Uh, rolls up Sammy Callahan and gets the win, setting up the five minutes for Katie Forbes to beat up Sammy Callahan. Yeah, it's pretty I, fortunate that the uh, the stipulation paid off at the end of this. I was shocked. <laughs> here's my my thought going into it, Dan was, okay, Sammy Callahan's gonna lose on purpose, or you know he's gonna take he's gonna eat the pin so he because he's been talking about how he hates Katie Forbes the past couple of weeks, right? 
So I was thinking, okay, he's either going to just let Rob Van Dam pin him real quick and then, you know, do some with a, a brass knuckles or something and then just right. beat the piss out of Katie Forbes. Or I thought he would like just start chair shotting him outside and then, you know, oh, you get, here's your five minutes and then yep. just beat her. You know. Now, the end result was what I thought it was always going to be. But it took a little bit of time to get there, of course, because, you know, at first Katie Forbes is, you know, hitting them pretty good. She does her patented uh, hip attack. They call that a hip <laughs> attack, Dan. Um, it's more of a uh, uh, ass attack. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's some good, you know, beat up stuff. And, of course, Rob Van Dam brings a chair into the ring. And, of course, the rule of wrestling, Dan, you bring in a weapon, you die by the weapon. Always. Every time. <laughs> You set up a table, you go through the table, right? Yep. You don't set up the table for somebody else to go through. That's not how it works. It's kind of like that? Chekhov's gun, only it goes off on you when you bring it in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, Rob Van Dam, uh, after they beat him up, he leaves the chair uh, unattended in the middle of the ring. Sammy Callahan, of course, pops up and chucks the chair off of his face. Uh, Rob Van Dam. It looked pretty did, stiff, too. <laughs> it looks pretty, pretty, pretty stiff chair throw. Um, of course, but you'll notice the difference between uh, that chair throw, uh, Dan, and the one that we saw Sammy Guevara hit Matt Hardy with is this chair was folded still and right. was not thrown in such a way that the legs would be going towards the face. So it does look like a pretty stiff shot, but it is the seat of the chair that catches Rob Van Dam. Um, right. But then, of course, you know, Rob Van Dam takes a tumble from the top turnbuckle to the outside, which at 49 <laughs> years old, I don't necessarily need to see Rob doing. Um nope. But then, uh, of course, Sammy Callahan gets his hands on Katie Forbes and delivers an extremely stiff pile driver. Yeah, man. That was rough. Um, I can. I don't know I who's worse, see... Eric Young or Sammy Callahan, man. These guys and their pile drivers are killing people. They really are. And so it, it, it kind of, you know, it may, it, obviously the past few years watching WWE, we don't see pile drivers, right? They got rid of pile drivers a long time ago. Right. With the exception, of course, because Undertaker is Undertaker. He can do the tombstone. Right. I understand two things from watching this episode of Impact and why WWE chooses to do what they do with, with both pile drivers and intergender wrestling. First is pile drivers, one slip or uh, like if Katie Forbes's head is an inch lower, that's yeah. really bad. Right. Um. And on, in addition to that, and I'm not saying this is not me being sexist, misogynist, anything like that. I'm just speaking from a presentation perspective only. It does not look great for a male professional wrestler to have a personal vendetta that he's going to take care of with violence against a female wrestler. Yeah. It, that, it, that optic isn't great. That, ta- I, I, that I time understand. is past, right? Right. I mean – that's not this something is, we need. To... This is we, we don't need to see Bubba Ray putting May Young through tables anymore, right? Right. That thing to <laughs> me seems to be done with. I'm all about okay. If you want to have like, I know like Kylie Ray wrestles on the Indies against men. I know Kimberly does it. I know you know fill in the blank. It's happening all over the Indies. I know uh, Lance Storm got into a lot of hot water when he talked about this on Twitter, saying like a lot of that is from pressure of the locker room. It's like, Oh, we didn't book enough women. You got to wrestle a dude now. Um, right. And so it's either still get your paycheck or don't, or, you know, and wrestle this dude that you don't necessarily want to wrestle or get the hell out. And we just do one match less. Right. Right. 
so I understand the optics now because people have been critical of WWE not wanting to do that. And AEW said they're not going to do that. Uh, Cody is, is against it. He didn't get as much backlash as Lance did for some reason. Um, but I, I understand it now watching that pile driver in a, in a, in a vacuum. If you're someone that's tuning in to your show for the first time and you just see a, 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 a big man just decide to drop a woman on her head and then just yeah. toss her like she's a, like a piece of garbage after because she landed stiff on that pile driver and he just kind of chucks her, right? Yeah. It's not great optically in, in a vacuum. If you know yeah. professional wrestling and you know the story leading up, you kind of understand where it's coming from and, and what took it to that place. But right. the whole male wrestler is feuding with another male wrestler, but he's not mad at the other male wrestler. He's mad at the female that's accompanying the male wrestler and wants to beat her up. <laughs> I That doesn't – I don't know. That that sets off some bells in my head, Dan. Yeah. No, I, I get it. it it's it, – you know, I don't want to sound like super woke or anything, you know, but – it's it's you gotta play to the times right i mean people don't want to see that especially new viewers like that's not gonna bring anybody in like us we've been watching wrestling for a million years like you said that's it's not we're not we're not gonna turn it off right away when we see it but we're just like eh, you know you don't right. need to do that but like new people coming in they're gonna see that and turn that shit off instantly like i don't want to see that yeah like, and i'll say too like you know like say if my wife were to be watching that with me right she doesn't watch oh, as yeah. much wrestling with me anymore but if, if Colleen had been in the room and she'd be like, wait, 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 why is this guy doing this? That's yeah. not cool. Like, she'd be like, why are you watching this? And yeah. it's, thank God that my wife never watched wrestling in the late nineties <laughs> or <laughs> early two thousands. Right. Because obviously the objectification and just pure accessory of women in wrestling was at an all time low. Um, as far as, uh, the content goes, um, uh, but man, yeah, 2020. I don't, I don't want to see a non-competitor um, get a pile driver. Period. Yeah. I don't want to see most people take a pile driver, even if they are the competitor. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's a few people like I trust. Like if I see Suzuki give someone a, you know, a gosh style gotcha. pile driver, I'm yeah. not worried about the safety of the other person. I'm not right. worried about the safety of the person with a tombstone pile driver. I feel like it's a little safer. Um, but man. You see it too much on the indies where these guys do these running, jumping, seated pile drivers, and yeah, those are the ones that we saw. You know, Stone Cold break his neck on, right? Exactly. We don't. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's cringe. I, I I understand it, and why they want to do it. It's a brutal looking move. It certainly it certainly sells the end of the match. Um, right. But yeah, I it's don't brutal know. looking because it's brutal. They shouldn't be doing yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's a bad bump. It's a bad bump. It, it really is. But um, anywho, we made we so get anyway. to the uh, the main event here, Dan. We get the return of Tennille Dashwood, and she's squaring off against uh, favorite of the Larko Loop, Jordan Grace. Yeah, um, I thought this was a pretty solid main event here. That Goes was pretty good. Nine minutes three seconds, um, so a little bit shorter than some of their other main events they've had recently on Impact. Um, but, you know, uh, Tanila Dashwood, of course, comes out with her personal photographer, Caleb with a K, uh, yeah. which is the, the, you know, dumbest geek of a uh, prop uh, person I've seen uh, yet since I've started watching Impact again. Um, and I mentioned earlier 
that there was a bump from this main event that made me cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, of course, the Michinoko driver that uh, yeah. Jordan Grace – when it first hit, Dan, I said, shit, she didn't get her head through. I That's what it looked she, like at first, I right? I thought she landed square on top of her head. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to rewind it a couple of times, too. I was like, oh, my God, did, did they, she just squash her. But, yeah. but then they showed the replay and everything, and you could see she got her head just under there. Just last but, second. And I think that's a testament to both workers. Um, Tennille's obviously, she's had a very long career. Jordan's a little bit newer to wrestling, but that's also because she's like super young. She's like 22 or something. Um, uh, But they both made, they both were able to get that around. So there's no serious injury there uh, because man, if, if she had done that move to a lesser opponent, um, that has not taken a lot of bumps like that, like Tenille has. I feel like we would have we would have been hearing about uh, some serious injuries out of the world of Impact. Yeah, it, it was a close one. I, I, I it made my my sphincter pucker a little bit when I saw a little like, bit. Oh, God. Yeah, like sit up a little straighter in your chair. <laughs> you know, my my notes. I wrote Michinoku driver. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I wrote Michinoku driver about broke her neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a you know. Hey, listen, uh, Tennille's uh, been watching some New Japan Pro Wrestling. Learn how to take all yeah, those neck bumps. Style. You know, flat neck, right? <laughs> right. You know, so uh, you know, we uh, get a lot of good back and forth. Everything. I mean, Jordan Grace does a spine buster at one point that was just vicious. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch Jordan Grace wrestle, Dana, I feel like I'm watching like the next great wrestler come up. She hits everything with a lot of power, really crisp. Uh, she's got great optics on what she does. Um, obviously, she's she's a beautiful uh, person. Um, and, I, you know, Big Mama Pump I, is, is certainly an <laughs> a upcoming favorite of mine. Yeah, she's pretty gifted. I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of her. I mean, I've seen like one or two matches of hers. And I think she came out at, was it All In? She came out in the Battle Royal. Get up against, I think it was up against Brian Cage. Somebody will have to fact check me on that. But um, I've only seen her a couple of times. But she she's 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 uh, she's very strong. So she's yeah. able to do a lot of moves that a lot of women aren't able to do. Yeah. Um, pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she stands at like five foot i think or maybe four foot eleven she's, she's not very really, tall really she really really short. over that top rope yeah yeah and then you know it's neil dashwood they're talking about oh she's like uh one of the tallest uh competitors uh in the knockouts division <laughs> and i think she's like five foot six yeah <laughs> you know yeah, there's not, there's not no a lot Char- of size in the division there's no charlotte flares and and, and nia Jax is uh in that right so yeah i, mean, I just like Tay is kind of tall isn't she Tay is taller um she is. I talked about this last. I was gonna say she's like five eight ago. or five nine at least. Ty Valkyrie is five foot eight. So okay. yeah, Ty is Ty is pretty tall. Uh, I think uh, Havoc is pretty tall. Um, but the rest of them, uh, we talked about um, two weeks ago. Saying I talked about Tasha Steeles versus Taya, and just right. you know the the huge height Big disparity. Difference. Yeah. Um, and like when she hit the road to Valhalla on, on Tasha Steeles, <laughs> I thought she was dead. Um, yeah. but you know, getting back to this match, uh, between, uh, what I, what, uh, I is billed as a five foot five versus five foot three, uh, it's no dashwood <laughs> versus Jordan Grace. I think both of those are wrong. Um, but you know, Caleb with the K gets a little bit of uh distraction. Um, and then 
Sunil wins with her patented spotlight kick, uh, which of course, you know, is pretty much a shiny wizard. Um, yeah. But she hits it pretty nice, pretty clean, uh, pretty fun match. Not, you know, it's kind of sets up uh, Tennille Dashwood here to be maybe next in line after Kylie Ray. Right. Yeah. So I, I, it was a pretty good main event. Um, I, also, it's nice to see women in the main event. You know, you don't see that a lot in some of the other shows. So it was, it was and impressive. It happens uh, more often than not, it feels like an impact. Uh, obviously, a few weeks ago, we had the, the Iron Man, the Knockouts Iron Man champ, uh, championship battle right. between Jordan Grace and Deanna Prazo, which was an incredible match. Um, yep. And you have, you know, some other really good spotlight situations for them. Um, I think they'll come close to main eventing um, on Bound for Glory. I think that probably is going to be Eric Young and Rich Swan, and possibly Eddie Edwards in a triple threat, depending on what happens at Victory Road. Um, you know, they, they definitely, they know what they have in their knockouts division. Um, that's probably their strongest division of the three. Um, uh-huh. their men's single division is honestly probably their weakest and yeah, their tag division, agree. their tag divisions right up there with their knockout division. They got some really solid tag teams. Uh, we're actually going to see, um, a lot of those really good tag teams in action next week. Um, we got four matches that were announced for next week already. Uh, as we button up our, our discussion here on this week's impact, uh, we have the North versus uh, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. That should be a fun match. I love watching the North wrestle. Um, I like the North. I'll tell you they, one thing. Is it Josh Alexander has yes. the headgear? I'm yes. a sucker for professional wrestler and headgear. <laughs> yeah, the the amateur professional, right? The right. Old, the old like Kurt Angle. When, when Kurt Angle got, I was at that show and when, when he faced Edge and got his head shaved, the hair versus hair match, and then he came out the next week and had the the headgear with the wig on underneath it. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. All, all time. Yeah. Kurt Angle moment. It's great, right up there with just guzzling milk, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the other tag match, of course, we'll see the Rascals versus the Good Brothers. Uh, you know that match has some potential to be pretty good. The Rascals are both awesome. Yeah. Uh, they're really good. Really good, quick in and out. I think Carl Anderson still has a, a bit more in the tank than Doc Gallows does. Uh, Doc yeah. Gallows kind of walks around like he's got a coat hanger in his ass. Um, but you know, when you're that big, <laughs> taking that many bumps, I don't blame him. I mean, how many yeah. how many six foot six, you know, six foot seven professional wrestlers do you see walking around like they got it? You know, Matt Hardy can't walk either, right? I mean, right. It, it affects professional wrestlers of all sides, especially if you do leg drops, which you know all those guys have. Um, right. But that should be pretty good. We got a knockouts division tag match set up because of uh, what happened last week. So Ty and Rosemary versus Havoc and Nevea. Um, and of course, the aforementioned Giant Swinger versus Falaba for the right to be Giant Bravo's best man. <laughs> right. Important <laughs> stipulation there. It's super important stipulation. Uh, Falaba, of course, uh, before this most recent run of shows, uh, was in the tag division with TJP. TJP said he was committed to the tag division and then. Uh, immediately went on a six-week program for the X Division title. So, you know, <laughs> typical can't TJP. trust that guy. You can't trust that guy, Dan. <laughs> but so, hey, man, you know, we've made it through uh, this week's impact. You teased that you'd give your kind of uh, your overall thoughts here. You know, mm-hmm. stepping into the world of impact. What'd you think? So when you told me I was going to be on the show, I told you I hadn't watched any impact. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start with the first night of emergence and get caught up. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't a struggle to watch all these shows. I was afraid going in like, Oh God, this is like homework, you know, just dreading yeah. it. But now it was like, the shows went by pretty quick. 
like I said earlier, you know, I like the Wrestle House stuff. Uh, the X Division matches are pretty good. I know a lot of these wrestlers, but some of them I don't, but I'm learning about them. Um, it's pretty good stuff. It's a nice change of pace from some of the other wrestling shows we watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. I actually might stick with it. We're, uh, we'll see. You know, I'll probably stick with it to Bound for Glory. And then, yeah, see where uh, we're at there. Yeah. See where we're at there. If it's still if it's still clicking, then I might keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, so know, thanks, as for, always. thanks for introducing me to this. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Hey, man, like I said, I, I, it kind of became like a, a joke in our group chat, Dan. Like, I, you know, when I first started you know, doing this podcast with Sandy, I was like, man, you guys should probably watch some of this. Like, it's, it's really not bad. Yeah. You've been pushing and, uh, it for a long time, and we make fun of you, like, oh, whatever, that's trash, that's garbage, <laughs> you know. We're watching New Japan and AEW and all this stuff, and like, yeah. Actually, it's I, I don't know if it's on that level, but no, it's pretty no, good no, stuff. No, no, no. It, it's certainly, it's certainly, you know, it's obviously the primary show for this podcast, and, and I really enjoy it. And it's like I said before, it's an 85 minute watch. It's a different presentation than what we've been getting with the other shows, like you said. Um, you know, the matches don't last longer than 10 minutes, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I've been going through some of these these uh, G1 matches um, as that you know the New Japan G1 uh, climax has started, and some of these matches in, in New Japan they're just you know they're 15 minutes just because they need to be 15 minutes to because that's what they do, and they could probably uh, stand to have you know some shorter matches over there sometimes. Uh, same thing right. with AEW, um, but you know I if you can if you can give a good wrestling match in seven to eight to seven to eight you know nine to ten minutes. Do right. that. You don't need to make it a 15, 20 minute match just because you right. want to do a 15 minute match. Um, nope. But yeah, no, it's it's a fun show. You get some good moments out of it. You know, you get to see. I'll tell you what, the humor in it is actually pretty good because, you know, I've been like I said, I've been yeah. watching wrestling for 40 years and the wrestling humor is sometimes not very good at all. Right. There's occasionally right. something that's like the rocks promos or Jericho or something is funny. Yes. Most yeah. wrestling humor sucks. Right. But they, these yeah. guys made me pop a couple of times when I was watching yeah. a show. That, and I really like, just like the commentary show. team too. Like, I, I, you know, we've talked about it before in this podcast. It is a husband and wife uh, yeah. commentary team. Um, Madison rain is, is very quippy. She's obviously very invested. She's, She's better t- than two. She's the better of the two. Um, and she, and I think that, that Josh Matthews would agree with us. Um, uh, and, and, you know, not just because he's married to her. Um, yeah. But it's, it, she's someone that's invested in the divisions that she's calling. She's still technically in the knockouts division, kind of. Um, okay. She'll, you know, she'll just, she'll jump into a match here and there. Um, it, I believe she was in the, the uh, gauntlet match at Slammiversary. Um, so Don Callis was in the booth with Josh Matthews. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of uh, good happening around impact. They have a really good roster, lots of young talent. Uh, and of course, you know, my best friend, Tommy dreamer is there making things happen. So, right. You know, I, I, I'm interested to see uh, what the run up is to, uh, God for glory. And, and we might have to, uh, do a socially distance, uh, Mask wearing uh, watch party for Bound for Glory uh, for I the was thinking game. about that. Yeah, might might be worth yeah. might be worth chipping in. I don't. I, the other thing, I don't think the uh, the no crowd thing hurts them too badly. It didn't seem like when no. I was watching it. It I didn't agree. really take me out of it too much. Um, I agree. Some of the some of the other wrestling shows, it also doesn't like no crowd. It hasn't bothered me. And then there's some wrestling shows that they really need a crowd, right? Yeah. Uh, this one, it's pretty good without it. I think um, yeah. I have, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch when that, when, hopefully someday, when crowds right. can watch wrestling again. 
And uh, I think the, the, it might enhance it even more, but it's pretty good without it. It is. And I, I've kind of talked about this before with Sandy, and it, it feels like a situation where they struggled at times to sell tickets, right? There's rumors at different times like, oh, man, they're really struggling. They're literally paying people like 20 bucks to sit there and cheer and be in you know, a wrestling show. So being that there's nobody allowed to be there, close the set, everyone set up in, in Nashville. They, I think they film a couple episodes at, at a time, and then they let everyone else go work their indie dates, right? Uh, especially, like their, their roster has been very active with Warrior Wrestling. Um, Kylie Ray has had a couple of main events um, mm-hmm. at, on Warrior Wrestling. She's actually wrestling Madison Rain this Saturday at Warrior Wrestling. Um, so they've been really flexible about their guys getting their work still um, and then setting up shop in Nashville. And like you said, I mean, it, it works for them, you know, because yeah. you don't have to have a half enthusiastic crowd for your TV show. Um, whereas like other promotions wouldn't have that problem. Right. Mm-hmm. AEW doesn't have that problem when fans are in the building. Those buildings are always loud and very right. engaged. NXT is always loud and engaged uh, at full sale. Um, and so but those shows are probably hurt more by the absence of a crowd than impact and, and contrast. Um, right. But hey, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how uh, they continue to shape up here for Bound for Glory. We've got two two championship matches, possibly an undercard match with Brian Myers and Tommy Dreamer. Fingers crossed. Um <laughs> As the president of the Dreamer Club, uh, you know, I feel like I should get a cut every time he gets a pay-per-view booking uh, right. because I'm putting him over on this podcast a lot, Dan, as you know. But, you know, before we start talking about video games here, I do got to say, I mean, you think about it, Batman, right? Robin, Robin especially. Robin's wearing some trunks, but with no tights. Right. And you know what? It's just like the same thing with when it's swimsuit season, right? And you put on your speedo, you got to clean up down there. You can't have yeah. stragglers hanging out of your trunks. So what I'm sure uh, Dick Grayson does is he goes over to manscaped.com. He punches in the promo code suplex and he saves 20% off uh, of his entire order. Gets free shipping on the lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped, um, which of course is the best in men's below the belt grooming. What he really likes about this, and this is true, I, I talked to Dick Grayson on the phone the other week. You know, I had uh, I I went to uh, grade school uh, with uh, you know with Dick Grayson. I gave yeah. him a call, and I said, "Listen, this third generation trimmer from Manscaped, the Lawnmower 3.0, it has a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of balls. This is true, Dick. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology." And of course, you know, he uses promo code suplex. He saves some money, although I'm sure money probably isn't an option. But, you know, billionaires, they're always trying to save a buck. He's just a ward, man. He doesn't have the money Bruce does. I'm sure Bruce, Bruce would probably. Bruce, Bruce would probably. probably just, Bruce is probably pretty tight with those purse strings. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. But if it's like, hey, listen, I got to, you know, look good for the ladies when I'm, you know, jumping over these rooftops here. Batman's yeah. like, hey, I totally get it. Catwoman, you know, she prefers me to be uh, a little bit trimmed up, too. Well, Robin Robin should say, look, Batman, Bruce, you put me in this outfit, these tight like right. trunks and and no tights or anything. It's like, you gave this to me. You should at least give me the ability to clean up my stuff down there, right? You don't right. want me 
you don't want the monkey swinging down there, right? I, nope. I got to be slim and trim if I'm going to be doing some backflips and kicking Two-Face in the head. So. Yeah, listen, <laughs> when, when these panels come across, you don't want to see any little curlies hanging out. So, That's right. uh, you know, so Batman, of course, you know, agreed, said, okay, fine, I'll pay for it. But you got to use the promo code SUPLEX. You get 20% <laughs> off of your order and free shipping, um, which we, you know, I, I am told Manscaped would ship to the Batcave. So um, that to say, <laughs> we are now going to get, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I Probably the first and last time they'll ever have a Manscaped promo like that. Uh, we'll, we'll put that one on the reel that we uh, that we send to Manscaped, Dan, to, to prove that we uh, – did the uh, ad spot, um, but I will say this: when we went, we did, went to the uh, all-out pay-per-view. Um, I did use Crop Preserver, and I've talked about it the past couple of weeks here. I did use mm-hmm. Crop Preserver, and uh, you know, normally after a hot summer day, walking around, standing in line, driving, uh, I'd be uh, Mr. Waddles by the end of the night uh, because of some cha- some serious chafing action. Uh, right. And thanks to uh, using Crop Preserver at the all-out pay-per-view. Uh, I was fine. So definitely use your promo code suplex over at manscaped.com. Manscaped uh, would like to remind you also to trim that junk of yours. (laughs) I like to, I always like to use that tagline, Dan. That's kind of like my go-to one. It's the one I'm most comfortable saying for some reason. Uh, Love that junk. Yeah. You know, uh, shout out to uh, my nephew, uh, Arthur, who listens to this podcast occasionally. Uh, You can skip that part, bud. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, we want to get into it. We talked about it uh, before uh, on the lead up here. Um, Dan had to. We, I, we had put out a thing on uh, Twitter, like, "Hey, you know, give us an idea for uh, what what game stuff you want to hear about." And this was right after the announcement of the Gotham Knights game and Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but Dan had reached out and said, hey, listen, man, you guys should talk about Batman games and, you know, especially like the Arkham ones. And I said, OK, cool. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely do that. Um, and then, you know, one thing leads to another. Sandy shows up on the Raw Underground. I need a co Sandy big times you. <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, she's got bigger and better things to do than this podcast. Uh, no, I'm kidding, of course. She's, she's very sad that she's missed recording these past two weeks. But she's happy to listen to the show uh, with both you and Rich on it. Um, so she's she's excited, obviously, to get the opportunity to be working uh, with you know WWE uh, as an extra. Oh, no slide and, against and, her. I mean, she needs yeah. to go take care listen, of herself. I told her, hey, listen, get yourself booked, all right? You know, go go work a match. So yeah. hey, you know, fingers crossed. Hey, maybe if they have some injuries, I, I heard some things happened this week on NXT. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if they need some extra bodies, now they know they got one. Uh, so you know, fingers crossed for Sandy, of course. Um, but when Sandy uh, let me know that she was going to be doing that stuff, um, I said, okay, uh, hey, Dan, how about that Batman stuff uh, you said that we should talk about? Why don't you come talk about it? And so, you know, uh, we'll just kind of give a brief thing. I know you're a big Batman fan. Uh, right. You know, you got some Batman stuff on the wall behind you for the listeners at home. Uh, you're wearing a Batman sweatshirt. Um, I actually just grabbed this randomly today and then realized, oh, it was a perfect day to wear it. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> You know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, Batman obviously has been a part of uh, our pop culture uh, landscape since, you know, what, the 30s and 40s? I think um, like 1939 is when it came yeah, out in Detective right. Comics. There you go, right? Um, so 38, so 39, somewhere around in there, yeah. Yeah, so for the past 80 years, right, we've had Batman. And 
we have had good Batman. We've had some, you know, tough stuff to watch and read Batman. Uh, yeah. We've had excellent animated series. Uh, we've had uh, excellent video game series, although that's more recent. Um, and, you know, Batman, uh, my experience with Batman, and we'll get into yours, the first time I really remember vividly watching Batman was the Batman animated series that was on in the early 90s. And mm-hmm. it was the kind of thing now as an adult, as a father myself, I look back and I say, well, man, why the fuck did my parents let me watch that? Because <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty dark at points. Yeah, and it's I, got some I, adult I, themes in it for an afternoon does. TV cartoon, yeah. There's, there's death all over the place in it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, what's funny is, I for there's you know obviously the, the different animated movies that came out as well that were the direct video ones uh, that were also very good used all the same cast you know Kevin Conroy as Batman Mark Hamill as the Joker um, and uh, Mask of the Phantasm I vividly remembered as a child having nightmares and never being able to watch it again um, because of when I watched it I was like seven eight years old uh, there's a scene where the uh, phantasm pushes a gravestone and buries uh, a gangster in his grave. Um, and like, <laughs> dark. And, dude, right. Um, and so from that point on, like I, um, this is a hundred percent true up until a month ago, I refused to watch mask of the phantasm again. And now I'm proud <laughs> to say that at 30 years old, I at 30 years old, I braved watching mask of the phantasm again on HBO max. Um, right. and now I'm like, Oh, okay. That wasn't that bad. You know, cause big steps. Cause, cause I'm not eight years old anymore. Um, right. but certainly at the time, I mean, but Batman was, he was always the, the, the dark, the, the brooding kind of, you know, you well, didn't know. Batman's whole thing is fear, right? I mean, the exactly. whole Batman exactly. character is based on fear. So it's pretty yeah. amazing that this character for 80 years based on fear and scaring people and, and darkness, yeah. has been as popular as he is, right? Especially well, of with course, kids. Of course, too, I think a lot of that, uh, the reason why we kind of pushed through that, that darkness being the controller and why Batman pushed through the 60s and 70s, uh, of course, was because of uh, the uh, 1960s uh, Batman series uh, starring right. uh, uh, Mr. West. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've had Batman be very goofy. We've had Batman be very serious. We've had Batman be uh, laugh out loud funny in the wrong ways. Uh, you know, like, for instance, when Ben Affleck plays him. Um, but, you know. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, you know, what was, what's kind of like your first vivid memory of locking eyes on the, uh, on the Cape Crusader and, and just kind of being like, man, I'm about this? So uh, kind of like wrestling. I don't remember the first time I saw Batman. He's just like always been a part of my life, right? I grew up, I was born in 77 and uh, that was after the TV show, obviously. But uh, even uh, when I was a little kid, you know, we'd go to the grocery store, or the drugstore or whatever. And occasionally my mom would buy me Batman comics. Sure. So, and, and he, he really wasn't the cultural phenomenon then that he is now. A mm-hmm. lot of that has to do with uh, the 89 Tim Burton Batman. Yep. Um, I still remember that vividly that summer when that came out, like you could not escape Batman. It was was like, I mean, it was, it was a real first true 
huge blockbuster like that since like star wars right it's like everything was batman everything was like michael keaton and jack nicholson like spencer gifts was just like the batman store right sure um (laughs) i i i remember even in my small town when that movie came out it was like people were waiting outside to get in in this small podunk town in indiana um, I remember I was there the first night and, you know, I was overwhelmed, like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And ever since then, it's like Batman has been more like the cultural touchstone that he is. Sure. Um, but, yeah, that that summer when I was like 12 years old, I mean, I was right in the sweet spot of the perfect age for that, too. Yeah, so absolutely. Ever, ever, yeah. So ever since then, it's just like been ingrained in me. Um, and then, of course, the animated series followed just a couple of years after that. And, of course, it was excellent. Like yeah. the Batman, the, the Michael Keaton Batman movies were okay. You know, they they right. were more like Tim Burton movies than like the traditional Batman. They did go into right. like the, um, like the gothicness of Gotham City and stuff like that. But they also had like Vicky Vale and all this other weird crap that wasn't really in the comics. So it was kind of kind of odd. Um, but the animated series was like the comics, and it was like traditional batman basic batman it was it was great i mean i i was sort of getting older at that time when it was coming out so i didn't really watch it all like every day or anything but i even at like 14 15 16 i was still like oh this is pretty good i'm gonna watch this right yeah and and there's there's some really like you mentioned earlier some really adult thinking on adult situations that come up Mm -hmm. through that show and um there's just there's stuff that you know watching I've watched a few episodes back and I was just like, okay, like, yeah, I could see why my parents maybe let this slide because I wouldn't have understood some of the stuff that they were saying that they were talking about or you know, these situations. When I, Cause I mean, that show came out, I want to say like 93, 94. Um, so it, if it puts it right. more 94, that puts me like four years old. Right. So I was born in 1990. Uh, so I missed that whole summer of 89, uh, you know, Batman swing by, <laughs> by not being alive. Um, but uh, like, so like right being like four or five to start watch that show, um, you know, I just thought it was cool. Right. Uh, yeah. growing up, my, my brother had Batman pajamas and I was in Robin pajamas. Right. I mean, Batman was always a part of my childhood because he, you know, this was all post that Renaissance of, of the Tim Burton right. stuff. Um, and of course, you know, we wind up getting things like, you know, Batman forever and Batman and Robin and just, you know, just absolute, just Schumacher uh, years. Yeah. I remember those vividly. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. How can you not remember uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger delivering uh, cold right. puns as uh, Dr. Freeze? Um, but, right. you know, they, they made tons of money and they kept making yeah. them. And, you know, I remembered having uh, McDonald's. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this when McDonald's used to do commemorative glasses and mugs. Of course. For the different movies that came out. And I had the complete set of the Batman mugs. Um, I loved them. Those were awesome. And I, yeah. every night with dinner, I'd have my uh, milk on the rocks uh, in my Batman mug. Uh, you know, as we were eating, uh, you know, whatever spaghetti and uh, knowing my mom, it was, you know, there's a 50, 50 chance that it was spaghetti and red sauce. Uh, of course, you know, ragu uh, from the jar, but that's, you know, that's, that was my childhood. And in a nutshell was, you know, watching cartoons, drinking my milk out of my Batman mug or my Disney government. My Disney commemorative cups also that McDonald's had at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we talk about video games specifically, uh, you know, because we are the 8-bit suplex, uh, right. it, it's always appropriate in my mind when we have the ability to start the conversation somewhere uh, with a long-standing video game uh, series or a character that spans 
uh, multiple decades of video games to start with the 8-bit era. Um, and so right at the time that Batman comes out in theaters in 1989, is the sweet spot of every movie that came out was getting licensed as a video game. It just mm-hmm. was, right? So, of course, they call the game Batman – or they call the movie Batman the Movie. And so the game, of course, is Batman the Game. Um, and it comes out in 1989 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. There was stuff before. Um, it was uh, Commodore 64 stuff and, and things. I, I'm not very familiar with a lot of the older, older, older stuff. Um, like just because Commodore 64s by the time I was a kid, I, I don't know that there was any that were still working. Um, <laughs> you know, they just they didn't last very long. Um, yeah. But, you know, Sunsoft was a, a company that made a lot of these uh, licensed games. Um, if you ever watched the Angry Video Game Nerd series, uh, you know about LJN. LJN did a lot of licenses for movie video games, uh, you know, like Jaws, for an example. Um, <laughs> yep. So thankfully, Sunsoft was the one that made Batman the video game. Now, this game, uh, I, I, I've played it a good amount on through emulation uh i never had the cartridge or anything it wasn't one that my dad and my brother had you know by the time i came around uh, my brother's a few years older than me so he he was kind of responsible for the video game collecting early in my childhood until eventually he was too cool for them and then i took over kind of amassing our, our collection um but batman the video game i didn't get to play until much later in life um it's a really challenging uh side-scrolling platformer game kind of uh, ninja gaiden-esque um, right. It doesn't necessarily tap into the Batman um, of the times per se and how the gameplay was. Um, but, you know, overall, it, it's not a bad game. Um, I don't know. What, what about were you starting to get into kind of Batman games? Like what was probably the first one you played? So the first game I played with Batman in it wasn't even a Batman game. So I don't know if you remember, but. Uh, Revenge of Shinobi for the Sega Genesis, right? Absolutely. Came out yeah. 1989. Now, did did you play that game at all? Yes. So I actually played the entire Shinobi trilogy on the Genesis. Um, okay. I didn't play them necessarily when they came out, but I have since played. I played a lot of Shinobi, absolutely. So Revenge of Shinobi, there was a pretty big controversy when it came out because they just used random, like, popular characters in the game without like getting a license or anything. Right. Batman right. was one of them. Batman was one of the bosses in the game. It was right. like, you're, you're playing, <laughs> I think it's like a construction yard or something. And you're going to, and first you fight Spider-Man and you, it's not like, you know, some games you'll see where they'll like, make it look like it's Spider-Man quote unquote. Right. No, and they'll, call him Man Spider. they'll call him man spider. <laughs> yeah, no, this was Spider-Man, and he came out, and he had the Spider-Man outfit, and he was shooting webs at you and stuff. And then you fought him for a while, and then he crawled up into the ceiling, and then Batman came down. It was, you know, it was a regular old Batman, and he's like, but the weird thing was he was flying around. It was like he's using his cape as wings, and like real bats came out. But that was my first experience with Batman. I mean, they also had Rambo in this game, Godzilla, wow. yeah. Terminator. It was like, and so they had lawsuits out the wazoo, and then they eventually had to change all that stuff. So eventually, Batman, I think in the game, they turned, in the later versions, they turned him into some kind of Japanese demon man character. But even that one was like a Japanese licensed character, which, you know, 6'1", half dozen of the other. So you're going to get sued (laughs) again, guys. What are you doing here? Right, Um, exactly. 
but that was the first time I ever saw Batman in a game. And then I, I didn't, I didn't have, when I was a kid, I didn't have an NES. I had a Sega master system, right? Okay. So they didn't have sure. a lot of licensed games for that. So I never really got to play the yeah. uh, NES bat, Batman games. I, I noticed they were a lot of them were similar back at that time. Like they're pretty much all Ninja Gaiden uh, side scrolling, you know, yeah. around Besides clowns with your bat rings. Stuff, yeah. Man. So the follow-up to that game, of course, is Batman: Return of the Joker. Uh, very, very much. Same. That came out in 1991. Sunsoft made the, the, that one as well. Um, so they kept to the same tried and true platforming, shooting your your batarangs, and uh, painfully hard. Um, most people, uh, I think, would struggle to beat it, um, regardless of of their ability to play games or their age or anything. Uh, but certainly when I was getting my hands on them as a, as a uh, o- older single digit, uh, lower teen uh, playing through some of the older games, um, it was very difficult. Now, the one that I most vividly remember as a kid, there's two, and they came out in back-to-back years. Uh, one was 1994's The Adventures of Batman and Robin, which of course was based on the animated series uh, mm-hmm. game. And then... The follow-up to that, which is a tie-in to the movie license for Batman Forever, was the game Batman Forever. Um, talking first about the adventures of Batman and Robin, uh, it's your side-scroller beat-em-up. It's really a lot of fun, especially when you play two-player. you got Batman and Robin going through. Uh, really cool. Uh, graphically, was awesome. Um, it made a lot of sense um, with the color schemes. It was a 16-bit with Super Nintendo. It was also on the Genesis. Um, it looked really well. The frame rate stayed when there was multiple enemies, so you didn't have any problems with a lot of beat 'em ups where like things were just you know right yeah, start flashing go, in and out right yeah. exactly. You get that contra flash in flash out right. Um, mm-hmm. Don't have that problem with this game. I really enjoy this one. Now I know you said you had the the Sega Master System. Did you ever have a Genesis? Uh, yeah, I, I upgraded Nintendo. to the Genesis. That's Did when you? I okay. played the Revenge of Shinobi. That was one of the, I think okay, it was like sure. the first first or second game I bought. You know, after you came with Sonic, and then I think sure. I was like, oh, I'm getting this Ninja game right here. <laughs> there, right, because and and you know, for for the listeners that were not around in the uh, early '90s, uh, if you could put the word Ninja on anything, um, oh yeah, it sold. It sold like uh, it sold like a million copies uh, automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I don't know. Did you ever play this one? I I didn't play this one either. No, I I, I might have rented it from the store. I but you know, man, I'm yeah. old. This was this was uh, 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I for, played a for, lot of games back then. For my for my nephew and for the for the younger listeners, uh, renting a video game, you used to be able to go to a store. <laughs> and now let's explain you, that to kids. You pay them five dollars <laughs> or eight dollars. It eventually got pretty expensive. And they'd give you a game for three days. A cartridge. <laughs> a cartridge. A physical cartridge that you could put in your system at home. And then when you were done with it, you'd have to bring it back within three days or get charged an additional five bucks uh, yeah. for being a day late. And listen, you didn't want to be a day late on anything. Uh, but if you had my dad, you were constantly late uh, with your uh, rentals. And it didn't matter because I wasn't paying for it. So I didn't really care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... The follow-up to this one was 1995's Batman Forever. I only mentioned this one. It is a terrible game. But I only mentioned this one because it really tried to latch on to the concept uh, of the motion capture that was used in uh, Mortal Kombat. 
So you mm. you had these digitized uh, motion cap, uh, real people doing, you know, uh, sweep kicks and Liu Kang's uh, rabbit punches, and yeah, it was just it was a mess. It's like a video game where you play as a GIF, basically, right? Pretty, it pretty <laughs> much is what it is, right? You see the moves on a loop, basically. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's all kinds of random shit like to like drop down because there's multiple levels of platforms to drop down. You would have to push like up and R. Why on earth would you push up and R to drop down a platform? Right. It was just completely, it was a completely unplayable game. Um, There was a Dracula game that was really similar to that. I don't know if you ever played that one. If I, if I could draw that comparison, Uh, but back when, uh, what was it? it? It was that a Keanu Reeves movie with Dracula back in the early nineties. Yeah. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Bram Stoker's yeah, Dracula. Yeah. Francis, so the Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Yeah. So the video game adaptation of that used the same kind of motion capture platforms and, and other nonsense. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I didn't even realize that movie had a game. <laughs> it probably should not have. <laughs> but like, like we said, one of those this was, wonderful this the, licenses, right? This is the time. Like, man, this is, and still to this day, a lot of movies get video game licenses. I will say, and I don't know if you've noticed this, that that seems to have dropped off pretty substantially since the PS4, Xbox One era. Um, mm-hmm. But even I remember, like on the GameCube, uh, like the the animated movie Open Season had a game. Right. Like I, think uh, I, I vaguely remember seeing that when I worked at the video store. Yeah. Yeah. Like Over the Hedge had a had a video game. Th- those were not titles that were going to sell, but they were cheap right. enough licenses that they could put a familiar face to movie boost up. This kid's yeah. based, you know, platformer they wanted some, to sell. Some aunt that doesn't know anything will buy it for their nephew or something. Tell me yep. about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I definitely, definitely received a few of those. Um, right. But you know, it wasn't like I said. So far, Batman was pretty good as far as video games goes up to this point. Uh, yeah, there were some clankers. There were some unplayable ones. Uh, I will say, never play a Batman game on the Game Boy. It's just don't do it. Um, they were none of them were good. They had they had ported Return of the Joker to the Game Boy, and it is an unbelievably unplayable game, um, huh. because as you can imagine, uh, platforming with projectiles on a very small uh, green uh, green drop uh, yeah. background uh, screen with the Game Boy, not very good. Game Boy was great for a lot of things. I loved my Game Boy. It took a beating. I literally rolled off my parents' car uh, probably six times. And I think at the end, all that ever happened to it was it lost the audio. Um, but, wow. yeah, dude, they built those things pretty tough back then. Um, Bricks. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I think I could have stopped a home intruder with it. Um, but, you know, Game Boy will be a topic I'm sure that we cover at some point in length here. Uh, but when we do cover that, I won't be talking about games like uh, Batman <laughs> Return of the Rest of the Joker, right? So, um, but, you know, Batman had some hits, uh, hits and misses. Nothing really got him over the hump in the video game world, um, really, until uh, we get to about 2008 and we see the Lego Batman uh, video game. Yeah. Uh, when the Lego series really started to ramp up, um, you have kids. Uh, uh-huh. I have kids. But I was also, uh, you know, I was 18 at the time uh, Lego Batman came out, right around the time that all these Lego games are really getting popular. Uh, were these anything that you ever uh, got really involved in, in playing Actually, a whole I, lot of? I did play the Lego Batman. I played the first one. 
I, sure. I, ha- I have the other two on Steam, and I haven't really had a chance to play them. But the first one, uh, me and my son did play. I mean, when it came out in 2008, he was about, I think he was eight or nine years old. Perfect and, age uh, for a sweet spot. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I was, you know, I just turned 30. Um, so that's, I mean, and that, those are the perfect games to play with your son. Because yes. it's a two-player game, it's really not that complicated. The characters are cute and funny, and and as an adult, I still think it's. it's you know, I don't always want to play something super complicated. Sometimes I just right. want to go Shut around, and, you know, some punch some boxes and turn them into bricks and build it up <laughs> right. and stuff. So, yeah, exactly. they're actually I, that was the best part about this. The the Lego Batman games too is they use the license for something different. Every other game, like pretty much before that was just, you know, you, like we talked about, it's a side scroller. You run and you shoot batarangs at bad guys. Right. This one right. actually, I mean, you do that too, but it's, it, it's more in the, in the Lego mold where you're, you're right. doing other things. And it's cute and it's fun. So well, you're it's doing, a, it's some, a nice cheat you're doing some puzzles. You're doing some, right. you know, it, it's, I, I played the Lego games. Um, some back then I didn't have as much disposable income. So when, you know, a game would come out, I would, you know, lean more towards like the AAA releases, your Halos of the world, if you will. Um, right. But, you know, the, the Lego games, um, my son and I, he's four. Um, so he kind of, you know, he there's some of the puzzles he can't really figure out sometimes, but he can play the, the game basically, right? Right. Uh, we play like Lego Jurassic World. We mm-hmm. play, uh, we just got Lego DC Super Villains. Um, that we've been playing through that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, once we hit Lego Batman here, um, we kind of start this trend upwards for batman video games uh immediately yeah. following that they had some you know like, i think batman uh vengeance or something or other came out right after that that wasn't very good um but 2009 we see arkham asylum come out um right and what was going on in video games was at the time really was a lot of people trying to figure out how do we innovate combat we can have more enemies on the screen. We can have more textures. Uh, we're hitting that PS3, Xbox 360 era uh, here with this release. Um, and at the time, you know, games like Assassin's Creed um, right. were very popular. I, I believe Prince of Persia: Sands of Time was right just before this. Um, mm-hmm. So you have this uh, one-to-many um, combat system that's being worked out by a couple of different developers at the time. Uh, setting up these combo uh, combo counter mechanics, right? And they said, hey, we can take that and we can put it in the Batman game. Oh, and also that other really popular series uh, of games that's out right now, all those stealth ones, we're going to mix that in too because it's also Batman. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you, but the first time I played Arkham Asylum, I was completely blown away. Oh, yeah, definitely. So when it came out, I... That was another point in my life where I was taken over by other things like work and kids and all this other stuff. So I, I didn't really get to play video games that much. And uh, but I'd seen it come out and I was like, oh yeah, it's another Batman game. That's cool. Um, so I didn't even really play it until they came out with the Game of the Year edition, right? And then I was like, well, maybe I should play this because it sounds pretty good. And yeah, first time I loaded it up and started playing, I was like, oh my god, why did I wait so long to play this? This is this is incredible. Like this yeah. is like it's like movie quality voice acting it's like incredible graphics it's yeah i was just completely blown away by it and like you said it's not just the run and punch thing right you you do have the combat which apparently they base the combat in these games on 
a dance game because it's all rhythm, like when you're punching and flipping right. around and stuff like that. That's that's incredible to me. But then also in these games, you do get to play the world's greatest detective, right? You never really right. got to do that in games before, which that was one of the things I always loved about Batman. It's not that he runs around punching people. It's like he has to he has to figure out these crimes, right, and figure out what happened, where it happened, and th- these are the first games that really allowed you to step into that mode in Batman. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And, and like you said, the the voice acting, of course, we have Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill right. reprising their roles from the animated series. Um, and listen, I- iconic I, roles, yeah. I, they, were, they were fantastic. And there's been plenty of other people that do good Joker voices. Uh, uh, John DiMaggio does a great one uh, in Under the Red Hood. Uh, but listen, as far as Joker's concerned, there's only one Joker in my mind, and it, and it always will be Mark Hamill. Um, yeah. Just it's he's the iconic voice of the Prince of Crime. I mean, so uh, yeah. So to have those guys come back and agree to do it and be like, okay, fine, yeah, we'll do it. Um, I think that really is it. Got Batman fans on board, right? Right. Uh, I mean, you were gonna it, get. It showed they were taking it seriously, not very just much like so. pumping it out as a licensed game. Like this is very gonna be like so. a real game. Exactly, and you know. You get to see uh, a lot of really different uh, characters kind of show up here. You know, Clayface, Rachel Ghoul. Uh, you know, really, you're just like, oh, okay. Like, we're taking this. Well, those two kind didn't of, even you know. show up until the next one, right? So uh, I think Batman I think Clayface such... is in it briefly in the first one. He, he, very it's not briefly. very long if he's in it. No, he but I think. I, role in the second. Right. So, you know, you got all kinds of people that are, are, you know, you get references to different ones too. That, that that's a big it, part know. of it. It's like they, they have a set of universe. Of, yeah. Of villains from his rogues gallery. He's got so many that they couldn't fit them all in one game. Right. So they no, had never. like scarecrow and Joker and killer croc and a few of these other guys in there. But then they were also had all the, you know, all those little Riddler clues that talked about all these other game right. uh, villains. Other in the villains. Game. Yeah. And at the same time they were working on this first one, they'd started work on the second one, and they incorporated all those ones they couldn't fit into the first one into the second one and just flowed right, right into it. Right. And I don't know about incredible. you, um, but I hated that Killer Croc level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything, anything that you know, has those jump out uh, kind of moments, I just want to be yeah. done with them as quickly as possible. Not, My problem not, with it, I too, mean, was I, I was never good at – that quick batarang thing where you got to pull the trigger real quick. Right. Like I, I, I was always missing it. So croc was always taking me under plus part of that level two, you have to have patience and like walk real slowly. I don't like doing that in games. Like right. I, I, listen, I've only, I have a limited number of minutes on this earth. I don't want to spend <laughs> it walking around in the sewers under Arkham asylum. Right. I, right. I want to, I want to get, get the, whatever, you know, polyps or whatever I had to go get there in killer crocs base and, go 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 come on right exactly (laughs) exactly so yeah i mean it was awesome it was certainly groundbreaking um it was you know the the hits felt real they made it had a really good uh engine uh i I think they used unreal engine for this game uh really showing what the the different punches and kicks were really impacting these guys and crunches the sounds on you hear the, the bones breaking and you see uh when you do the X-ray uh, vision, you can see the yeah, yeah. the bones kind of snap. Um, really cool stuff. Everyone loved the game. Uh, I mean, you know, it was nines and tens across the board from all the publications. Um, right. And then, like you said, they had the follow-up uh, Batman Arkham City uh, happening, 
Uh, before we get into that, I will say at the same time that Arkham City was being released in 2011, uh, DC Universe Online also came uh, online. Uh, right. And be, this was during the real hot time for uh, MMOs or you know massively multiplayer online games. Um, this is your World of Warcraft era. Uh, this is yep. everyone was trying to get you to get a game and pay a monthly fee for it. And, you know, just grind and grind and grind and grind. And, Dan, I think you probably played uh, DC Universe Online more than I did. Um, But the the amount that I played, I actually really enjoyed kind of being able to kind of uh, create my own super character here and interact with, you know, the Justice League. Yeah, so this game, like, you don't get to be Batman or Superman. Or you can actually play villains in the game, too. Um, you don't get to be those guys. Those guys are like your mentors, but you get to create, like you said, you get to create your own character. You know, yeah. you can put your own outfit. You can get a cape if you want. You get a pick if you want to be a damage dealer or a tank. You know, like a typical MMO stuff. Um, I always pretty much played as a villain. <laughs> sure, sure. I always lean that way when I play the games because I'm not like that in real life. So it allows me to live vicariously through my terrible <laughs> character. Right, it gives you an outlet. Um, but yeah, that game, I think I played it for like a year or two, uh, I, as another game, my son played too. He made his character. Um, but we enjoyed it quite a bit. We, we, uh, we weren't like, um, like we didn't have like a guild or anything like they have with world of Warcraft. We just jump sure. on and play. And it wasn't really that, that really, um, in depth combat system or anything. It was just right. like, you know, mostly it was just like punch and throw a spell or whatever. Um, right, but yeah, yeah. Use, use your, uh, x-ray vision or, you know, right cold breath whatever the case may be right yeah but it was still pretty fun i mean you still got to go into gotham city and metropolis and yeah. some of the other places and and fight some of the villains or some of the heroes depending on which side you went and there's some story to it um it just it kind of got burned out after a while they weren't uh updating it as quick as they, the end game kind of ran out but while yeah. you were built i think when i played i don't know what it is now because it's it's still going on um when i played the max cap on the level was 30 right and grinding up yeah. to 30 was, was pretty fun you went on some quests and did some stuff but once you hit 30 it was just kind of like eh, yeah what do i do now right, right. start a new character do you, yeah i think i don't i think when i played it because i when i played it after i went free to play uh, which mm-hmm. is what it is currently now. So yeah, I feel for for those that that played it when it wasn't feel free to play. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I, I want to say the cap is sixty when I was playing it. Uh, okay. But I could be but I could be uh, mixing my memories of that with my memories of playing World of Warcraft. Like early World of Warcraft, I think had a, a level cap of sixty. It did um, too. Yeah. So you know, I I played World of Warcraft very briefly. I, I wasn't in, super into MMOs. Uh, but like I said, when, when DC Universe Online went free to play, um, I did play that quite a bit because I was like, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot now. I mean, there's no, you know, yeah. I'm not investing anything. Um, and yeah, you know, I played some different characters, tried out some different things. I had a character that could fly. I had a character that could run real fast. You know, it was, it was fun. I give you some, it was a nice, uh, change of pace from the normal superhero, uh, beat the piss out of everything and, yeah. and win. Right. 
So I probably would have played it more if we had like two PlayStations or something and my son and I could play at the same time and we could go take on, you know, go into the instances or whatever together. But right. it's like I had to play it or he, he had to play it. And so like, and we didn't really, I didn't know anybody else that played it. And I, yeah. I'm not really big on meeting randos on the internet and playing with them. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm both the same way. I still prefer couch co-op. Uh, you know, that's yeah. kind of my, my preferred method of, of gameplay. Uh, even even when uh, my wife and I had first uh, started dating, I, I tried to get her to play uh, Halo with me on the couch. And uh, she definitely pointed her gun at her feet the entire time. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, my, my wife is she's very good at the, uh, the old school games that are D pads and buttons. Uh, mm-hmm. But the dual the dual joysticks uh, throws her for a loop. Threw her off, was, huh? Yeah. Those those are for a loop, but you know, uh, we love her anyways, uh, and not just because she. Every time we go on a wrestling road trip, she bakes us delicious cookies. Um, Definitely. But you know, same year that we see DC Universe Online uh, come out, we see the follow up to Arkham Asylum, uh, which this is my personal favorite of the series uh, in yeah. Batman Arkham City. Um, yeah. It was. It took all the things that were great about Arkham Asylum. And then just magnified it uh, times ten, right? I mean, yeah. it was it was awesome. Yeah, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the story itself was a little convoluted, but you know, most of these games, you know, there's there's eight million switches and and right. and backstabbings and all this stuff, and it's really hard to keep track. Mostly, you're you're wanting to run around and punch bad guys and you know do detective work and stuff like that. But yeah, this this game, I mean, Arkham Asylum was and the island itself was pretty big, um, but Arkham City was huge. Yeah. Um, it, 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 like you said, it just it just blew it away. And that game was, you know, nines and tens across the board. So th- this is like one of the greatest all time games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, I, you know, I, I don't know that I could point to any one reason why it's that much better than Asylum. But, you know, I liken it to, I mean, at the same time that we're getting these games, we're getting the, the Nolan Batman trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what you see with, with uh, Batman Begins is they set the groundwork for everything that we're going to see in the Nolan uh, universe. Then you get to the Dark Knight and they take everything that was good about Batman Begins. They get rid of Katie Holmes, uh, which I was a decision I disagreed with. Um, but they take that movie and they completely blow up the the scope of what's happened in Batman Begins. And now we have, you know, obviously Heath Ledger's performance as Joker. It takes everything over the top. I don't know that there's one thing I could point to and say, well, that's why the Dark Knight's a better movie from a mechanical perspective, from a production perspective. And I think the same can be said of this game is that you take Arkham City and it's a much bigger, much more involved. There's so much more to do. It's everything right. that was right about the first game expanded and then just, you know, finer tuned tweaks. Right. Um, and it just, it came out uh, with the exception of the, the end plot, um, which I, you know, I don't know how you feel about spoiling 10 year old games. Um, but you know, the, the fact that Joker is, is legitimately dying of an illness and then right. you just kind of, you know, that's the end of it. Right. Okay. Joker's dead uh, at the end of the game. And it just, right. you know, it's kind of, it, it like you said, the plot, the plot's hit or miss, uh, but the game as a whole, from a, a discovery and gameplay and combat and 
secret stuff with the Riddler clues again. I mean, I really right. enjoyed it quite. I yeah. It, it you know, it's the best. Well, it just seemed game like it, it was the first game evolved, right? Like the right. combat system is very similar, but it gives you more moves and more options when you're fighting. The first game, you just have kind of like a punch, and you can you can do your cape to like make the guy with the knife stop or whatever. Right. But in the, right. In the second one, you have much more different, um, abilities. Um, there, it introduces the Catwoman levels, right? So right. now you can play as another character, right? Which we, I don't really think they might've had some DLC for the first one where you could do that, but I think it was just in the combat zones. I don't yeah. think you could actually do anything. In no, the game, I don't. Right? I think it was just the combat zones. I think that's correct. Right. But, but in, uh, Arkham City, you can actually play as another character, which I like the Catwoman level. She had her own little thing, and um, yeah, you know, much much more more with the Riddler. Um, the story itself, like you said, is, is long, convoluted, and the ending is kind of it's kind of surprising. Like I, I was shocked that they actually went through with what they did, um, but it pays well, off in the later game too. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, it it's. It was shocking to, because we knew that they were making more of these, right? There was no chance that Rocksteady was going to stop at two games. It just wasn't going to Especially happen. Especially not with the success they were having, right? Right. Critical. WB is going to like, get in the studio, make another one now. Right, exactly. I don't care. <laughs> and, and what's interesting, though, and it's funny that you mentioned WB because that's, that's where we're going next, um, is that this Arkham series had more than one developer work on it. Um, right. We get Arkham Origins, which was produced by WB Montreal, which is their game studio that, that WB owns. Um, Arkham Origins falls kind of flat. And I, I don't think it's the game studio's fault. I don't think it's, I, I, you know, I don't want to talk poorly of the people that made the game. Um, it just didn't capture that same gusto that the first two did. So I like this game, right? Because I, I like the first two. This is uh, a couple of things about it, though. It didn't really like the first first uh, city expanded quite a bit on on the first one. The only thing uh, Arkham Origins really expanded was the size of the city. It was still more spread out, and you, I mean, you had to. Right. I think if I remember right, you had to take the Batwing to get from one place to the other. Right. You had fast travel finally, um, but it wasn't. I mean. On the one hand, it's more of the same, but then again, on the other hand, it's more of the same. Like I love the first two games, so it's more of that too. Um, yeah. Two thing, two things that really stood out for me in this game. Actually, the third one's kind of not really related to the game itself, but the first thing is the boss battles are pretty memorable to me more than the first couple of games. Okay. Um, like when you're fighting Deathstroke, I, that I still think about that fight because you you know you're doing the, he's like hitting you with the swords and you're like throwing up your hand and you got to time it just right. I, yeah. I, really struggled with that. So I was pretty proud of myself when I beat it. <laughs> I understand. <Right? laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other thing in it is it also expanded on the, uh, the detective work. Like you had to go in and like examine like, you know, gun shrapnel and all kinds of stuff like that. in a few of the rooms, I wish they would have expanded on that more in there. And then the third thing, um, I guess because it's from the different studio, like the other games, all the other three games are on the next gen well, at the time, they were the next-gen platforms, uh, Xbox One and PS4, right? They they, they made their greatest the hits or whatever. Yeah. This one's not available on there. You have to go get – you have to go search out to find – it's not even on their store, right? At, yeah. le- at least with the Xbox version. I don't think it's on the PlayStation store because I don't have PlayStation. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. But, 
but you have to go get the disc and play it, which I've, I I think we sold ours to GameStop or something. But uh, since we've been talking about doing this show, I'm probably going to go pick it up and play it again, just because I remember liking it so much. But that kind of, I find that very odd that, you know, especially with the new game they've just announced coming out, they didn't have it out when Arkham Knight was out. I was like, why wouldn't you just throw it out there? I can't, I mean, how much could it cost to just like, because I, if it's already backwards compatible, right? Just like put yeah. it on the game store, right? Make, yeah. Sell it for ten or fifteen bucks. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the logic in that. Yeah. Make your stuff know. available. <laughs> Impact Wrestling. Make your stuff available, <laughs> right? Yeah. WB Montreal. I, make your stuff available. I don't know how much of that is a a product of the game studio not doing that uh, versus you know Microsoft. I mean, I, I would assume that Microsoft wouldn't care. Um, because both Microsoft and Sony make 30% off of every digital sale on their stores, um, which is stupid, stupid money. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I I can't imagine that they would be opposed to that. And it may be just be, you know, WB Montreal is not really operating uh, much anymore. So, I mean, it could be a factor of that. Yeah. It's just weird to me that it's hard to find when it's supposed to be like part of the series, but yeah, but it's technically not part of the series. Yeah, I know. It's the quote unquote origin story uh, of the Arkham series. And what's interesting too, is that you don't have Kevin Conroy or Mark Hamill in it. That's Um, it. So that's, that's that I didn't really miss them that much in this game. I mean, the voice acting sounds pretty pretty good i mean they, yeah. they they mimicked kevin conroy and uh, mark hamill pretty well yeah you can tell I mean, it's not them but it's also really good impressions if i'm not mistaken troy baker who does uh joker for that game yeah. I, I think troy has done a lot has done joker also for different animated mm-hmm. releases and things because mark hamill doesn't do it anymore uh he did he came back and did the killing joke i want to say when they when they adapted that a couple years ago but for the most yeah. part you know mark hamill's been done because i mean at his age, the strain on to do the Joker at this point has got to be just right. next uh, unreal, right? Um, I, I've done a little bit of research into the, how much uh, voice actors have to do, and you know what, what you know, especially for games. You think about like if you're if you're recording a sh- an animated show or an animated movie, you know your script might be you know maybe you know, a hundred line hundred uh, pages and. Maybe you talk on like 20 of those pages. From what I understand, when you do a video game, they hand you what is like a double science college textbook. <laughs> um, right. Especially if you're like the playable character, you have mm-hmm. to do like all the, like the, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yep. and, you know, you have to do the, you know, the laughing, the victories, the defeats, the this, the that, every single noise, the breathing. You know, okay, can you uh, do a struggling, uh, a breath like you're struggling? And, you you know, okay, how about a deep breath that you just uh, surprised that you got through that? And you record all these different sounds that you don't think about how much time goes into that voice acting. Uh, right. So I can I can appreciate when those guys, you know, take the opportunity to say, whoa, man, uh, okay, it's an origin story. So maybe you want younger voices, right? Right. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, Kevin Conroy at the time was, you know, as, as, he's pretty old. Um, and he was pretty old when these games were being made too. So that's right. so they went with a different Batman. And then when Mark found out, he's like, okay, well have somebody else do the Joker for this one. And then of course, I, I believe they both came back, um, for Arkham Knight, uh, if I'm they not did. mistaken. They so, did. yeah. Uh, to put it, to kind of bow on, on that. 
Um, but yeah, Origins it was certainly not a bad game. It just didn't it didn't do as much for me as Arkham City did. Right. And then Arkham Knight. Arkham Knight. Polarizing. (laughs) For me, it it had a lot of similar, and and these games to me mirror the the Nolan trilogy quite a bit. Um, It's not a bad game, but it just feels like trying to, like, we know this is the last one we're doing, so let's jam everything into it. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's how kind of, you know, the Dark Knight felt, uh, or not the Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Rises uh, felt right. with the Nolan trilogy, right? Oh, let's do Catwoman. Oh, let's do Bane. Oh, let's do Robin. Oh, let's, you know. And then, you know, with, with this game, it just felt so just over, like, there's so much stuff to do. There's so much things. Just, I mean, you know, and then the, the whole plot of, oh, there's, you know, Joker filled his, his blood with toxins and then injected five different people, right? Like, right. You know, I, listen, I, I don't want he's to rag on it. He's in Batman's head, man. He That's is. That's how he's in the whole game. <laughs> he is. And, you know, it's not, it's certainly not the first time we see a story like this where, you know, there's a battle going on with someone's internal dialogue from a poison or from a thing or, you know, this or that where they're trying to, you know, they have to defeat that inner monologue. And, um, you know, it, it's not that it's done poorly. Um, but of the three main Arkham games that Rocksteady made, this one's probably my least favorite. Um, yeah. But not not because it's not a good game, just because it isn't as good as the other ones. Yeah. I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, the Batmobile was a bit much for me. Like, it, I mean, it was like a kid with a new toy. Like, oh, I'm going to jam this into every mission. <laughs> yeah. and it's like even the Riddler-like missions with the Batmobile is like, because yeah. it's hard to control anyway. It was very um, difficult to control. And then you're having all these tank battles with it, and you're trying. Uh, it, was, it was pretty frustrating. And then the whole thing with Arkham Knight himself—they were like making this big deal about, "Oh, it's this brand new character. You've never seen this person before." It's no, it's Jason Todd. Yeah, right. He's he's been around for years. Right, nothing right. new there. It's, uh, it's literally kind of an switch. exact rip of uh, from a from a comic series uh, uh, from a. Uh, I think there was a, a direct video uh, animated uh, movie mm-hmm. that. Basically had um, Jason Todd. Uh, and actually, it might be, it might have been the what I mentioned earlier, the uh, under the red the, hood. Under red yeah. hood, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, and that's fine. You know, it, that's the way you want to go with it. That's the way you're going to go with it. It was a new take on that story, uh, I guess. Um, I would have been better with it if they just said, "Yeah, Jason Todd's back, and he's going to kick the shit out of Batman." Right? I mean, right. I know. I mean, who are they trying to fool here? Most of these people that are into these games already know who Jason Todd is, right? That's true. And if they, and if, if, and if not, they don't then, know, no. they wouldn't care, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If they're there, if they're there to play a Batman game just to play a Batman game, they're not going to care who he is. Uh, you know, yeah. But the uh, the comic book man, uh, you know, uh, comic book guy, comic book guy, uh, guys of the world. <laughs> uh, well, actually. Um, would would be all over those guys, anyways. And and, and yeah. from what I remember, the the comic purists were not necessarily happy with uh, the reveal of, of Jason Todd being. Uh, no, they're pissed. The, the Arkham Knight. <laughs> so he was like, "Oh, I mean, he was already the Red Hood. Why is it like, whatever, man? It's a different different universe. You right. guys, of all people, should understand multiverses." Right. Um, but yeah, me personally, so, I wasn't that upset. I I I mean, I was like, whatever, that's fine. The Jason yeah. Todd, but I mean, he looked cool. 
Like, I thought the game over itself was pretty good. Like you said, it's not as good as Arkham City. Probably not good as Asylum, but um, pretty good. But a little better than Origins. I would have dumped all yeah. that Batmobile stuff or limited it. But other than that, I mean, it's pretty good. I I love the parts where uh, you just, like, uh, use the grapnel gun and go up to a ledge and you turn around and the Joker is, like, sitting there talking to you. and Oh, yeah. Psyche. Uh, that was always fun. That was a cool thing. And, and what's interesting, too, like you mentioned, like kind of getting rid of the Batmobile for that kind of thing. I, I didn't feel like ever that the scope of the city matched the speed and the power of the Batmobile. Oh, not at that all. That makes sense, right? So, and, and I and I think about like, okay, I don't know if you played uh, the most recent Spider-Man release on PS4. You don't get a vehicle in that game, right? You just use you, you use your superpowers. You fly around New York with the webs. You know, you you get across pretty quick. Right, and then you have fast travel if you don't want to, you know, take the time to swing right. from Lower Manhattan to Harlem, right? So, I don't see why you couldn't do that. Also, with the fact that you can use Batman's grappling hook, and then he can also still, you know, glide with his cape and things like that. You know, they had yeah. that pretty well established in the games, um, and then you could scale the city down a smidge. That would be probably yeah. my, you know. You don't you don't need a full size uh, you know Gotham uh, <laughs> to drive around with a a, a battle tank, in my opinion. Right. And you know a lot of those a lot of those Batmobile like fighting and, and stuff like that is just I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me to to do it no, that way. But there was shoehorn in is what it felt like to me. Yeah. But, so, but you know, but it was all in all, it was um, a game series that came out at the right time. It hit the right gameplay mechanics that were. Uh, Really popular at the time. Um, and then, you know, they kind of tapped in with, you know, the next Batman release after Arkham Knight was the Telltale series. Uh, we briefly mm-hmm. mentioned it, uh, you know, when, when Sandy and I discussed, uh, you know, point and click adventure and, and Telltale games as, as a whole. Um, I played some of the first episode of, of this Batman series. Uh, did you get to play a chance, uh, chance to play this one? No, um, I remember in your previous episode when you were talking about those games that you had played the Back to the Future game. Like, yeah. that's how I got introduced to the, the Telltale games, and I wasn't that impressed. You know, I, I used to play point-and-click games when I was a kid. Sure. Like uh, King's Quest and Indiana Jones, The Fate of Atlantis, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, I don't know. It, it just seemed very elementary and not really taking much thought. You just clicked around until you finally got the right answer and so i was kind of turned off from the back to the future game um so i didn't re- i did i was like ah, i don't really want to deal with this with batman too sure so i never played it yeah the i'm batman a terrible one, bat, i'm a terrible bat fan <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you are and, and especially too like yeah with the telltale stuff and we discussed this stuff is you know they release those games episodically um right and and that can be both a positive and a negative the positive is you can release games faster um, the negative is that, you know, now you're charging people multiple times, right? right. Um, unless you get the, you know, the season pass or whatever. And, and that, you know, I don't know too many people that did that because, you know, if you don't like episode one, you don't want to keep buying the other episodes. Right. Um, exactly. I think I got episode one is like a free PlayStation, uh, plus membership, uh, game. Um, so I played that some, it was, you know, it was fine. It was a lot of, um, uh, uh, you'll remember the the game uh, I'm thinking of here. Uh, it was the QuickTime game. Uh, that was the arcade game with the uh, the knight and the dragon, Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. Hell yeah. So a lot of that mechanic, right? Okay, you know, Catwoman is exactly kicking yeah. left. You push right, so she kicks right. You push left. You know, that was kind of how you know. And 
that's fine. And that, it hits a, a certain thing. But, you know, really since that point, you know, they've really – they tried to do like the Arkham series with the VR. I don't know how up to date with VR you are. I hate VR. Um, uh, I, I'm not a fan. <laughs> as a man that wears glasses uh, for depth perception, uh, yeah. it throws me off to either I, – I can't – I can't take my glasses off and put VR on and experience VR. My eyes just don't work that way. Same thing with seeing 3D movies. I just don't do it anymore. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it costs extra money anyways. And, and as a dad, I, I'm inclined to not do that. Right. We, right. we don't want, we don't like to spend, <laughs> but I can get the same movie ticket. I can see the same movie for $12 and you're charging me twenty two fifty right. for, for paper glasses. Right? right. So that's, you know, my, my, my dad take on it. Um, Two dimensions VR, is fine. That's plenty of dimensions. Exactly. What do you need another one? When for? I was your age, there was only one dimension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut the door. We're not air conditioning the outside. That's right. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, they tried to do some different spinoffs of the Arkham games. Didn't really. I mean, Batman's kind of puttered here and there um, in in the past few years. So when this year's big, you know, video game shows obviously canceled uh, due to COVID nineteen. Uh, I don't remember there being too many rumblings thinking that we were going to get something. Um, but as Batman fans, we don't only get one game. We have two games coming out, um, which I thought was, I I was surprised too. And the first trailer that I saw was for Gotham Knights and Mm -hmm. Gotham Knights. Uh, they kind of set the stage in the trailer for, uh, the death of Bruce, Bruce, Good Lord. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, uh, the yeah. death of uh, Bruce Wayne. Um, and it kind of activates uh, the others um, to kind of step into his place as the primaries. Um, you know, so you have Nightwing, you have Robin uh, and you have uh, Batgirl. And uh, I believe uh, Jason Todd is, is the fourth right. uh, as Red Hood. Red Hood. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, you have Dick Grayson, the original Robin, taking up the mantle of Nightwing. Um, yeah, Barbara Gordon as Batgirl, and then Tim Drake, the most recent uh, iteration of Robin, uh, right. or the youngest iteration, I should say, uh, taking up the mantle there. Um, it looks uh, really good. This one actually uh, is being published by, uh, developed by WB Montreal, and is, is being published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Um, so they are building this one out. It looks interesting. I would like to see more. It is a quarter. It's the Court of Owls uh, story from the comic books. Um, mm-hmm. For those that are super familiar with that, so uh, you know, it, it was a good teaser trailer. It, it definitely got people talking. Now, what was your first impression of this one? So, uh, when I first heard about it, I was confused, probably like a lot of people. So, this thing is called Gotham Knights, right? But it's yep. It's not in the same universe as Batman Arkham Knight, right? Right. They start off the trailer with Batman's dead, and here's a message from him. Yeah. Which is how Arkham Knight ended, right? Mm-hmm. Batman blows himself up. So, you know, we don't know if he's dead or alive or whatever. Who knows if we'll ever find out in that universe. But it's a, right. it's a different universe, but it's also called Knight. A lot of the the look and feel of the characters and, and the costumes and everything yep. looks just like the Arkham universe. And it's, but it's not by Rocksteady. It's by the other ones. The right. ones that made the, the, the one, the game that most people aren't that thrilled with. Yeah. So I was, I was completely confused on all that part. Right. Yeah. The game itself 
looks pretty cool, right? Yeah. Um, it looks like we're going to get co-op in it, so that'd be fun. Um, yeah. I've read also that you you don't have to just pick, like if somebody picks Red Hood and you want to be Red Hood too, you can both be Red Hood. Now, how that's going to work in universe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe yeah. there'll be some kind of multiverse thing. I don't know. But, maybe. Or, yeah. maybe or it'll it doesn't be just matter. Like, yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> maybe maybe the cutscenes are, you know, whoever's supposed to be there is going to be there in the cutscene regardless right. of who you're playing as. But I think it's only two player co-op. I don't think you can play all four at once. I'm not sure on that. They haven't they've been kind of cagey on all this stuff. Yeah, there's um, not been a whole lot of details. Um, they just had the like the one trailer I think where they show Bat as a bad girl in uh, Red Hood or I, uh, one I think of so. them. Yeah, or maybe it's Robin. I it, I don't know. I remember it's Batgirl, and they go fight uh, Doctor Freeze, right? Uh, one of the things that threw a lot of nerds off, I don't really care that much, is that when they were hitting Doctor Freeze, there were point totals like flying off. So it's right. more like an RPG. And the other thing is, like, apparently you can gear up and you have to like grind and all this stuff. So it's more like RPG elements rather than uh, the traditional Arkham Asylum games which there was some in that too where you'd make There's enough some points upgrading. and you could buy yeah. some upgrades and stuff um so i don't know why they're super surprised at that but like i don't know it's it's definitely interesting um i'm i'm definitely gonna give it a shot you know I, yeah. it looks like something i'd really like and i th- i think the co-op part uh, is really appealing like if i can get you or somebody else to play with me or i can yeah, get man. my son who's grown a grown man now but uh, <laughs> if i can get somebody like that to play i think that that would be pretty fun that looks good yeah. to me i don't know it's, it's no different, i think it but... looks yeah different different but good right i mean it, it definitely um I, and we're getting to this next one that file under extremely different um <laughs> you know you, you speak to the the, the confusion of because immediately when i heard gotham knights i just thought in my head okay it's a co-op in that game series right right it's plural, same name scheme. Uh, WB's publishing it. And then you come to find out, no, 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 there's another game coming out that's going to be in that same universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which one? Which What, what game is that? That'd be uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. <laughs> right. <laughs> which makes perfect you know, sense, right? Which makes perfect <laughs> sense. Um, I, you know, what's funny is uh, I really – really 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 enjoyed the trailer for suicide squad kill the justice league um yeah. tara strong uh is back to voice harley quinn uh she did the, the voice back in the animated series uh tara strong has, has done the voice of uh most of my childhood both you know uh male and female characters um of course well we actually have a wrestling tie-in here uh dan with the uh the voice of king shark uh being uh done by uh, none other than joe sanoa AKA Samoa, Samoa Joe. Joe. So, uh, which was a nice little uh, wrinkle there to that trailer. Um, All ties together. Impact it really wrestling. Does. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, so, you know, you're looking at this one and they're just kind of like sitting on a rooftop. It's, uh, you know, Harley Quinn, uh, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and King Shark. Um, which, you know, of, of the 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 uh, villains in, in the DC universe, um, they're probably the least intimidating for the most part. Um, yeah, they're C-level at best. C-level yeah. at best, with the exception of Harley Quinn because of her association with, of course, the right. Joker. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of humor in this trailer. There's a lot of thing. And um, 
what's funny is this is the one that you get the four player cooperative mode right. um, available to you. And somehow it is the one that ties in to the Arkham series, which in that trailer, I don't know how that ties in because it's got Superman. Who's apparently a bad guy now. Right. And it's yep. got Brainiac. Who's a Superman villain. And it's just, it, Strange is how I describe it, which yeah. with Suicide Squad and Harley Quinn and all that, you know, strange is kind of the, the rule of the day. Um, it is. But it is. It, it is weird how it's supposed to tie into the previous games and the other one isn't. Right. It's just right. It's, it's, just it's a completely different art style. It's just, yeah. you know, it. it but here's the, the thing. Bright, you know, colorful. And very bright and colorful. Because, but, you know, here's the thing. And I, and I think that we'll see a lot of tie in with with James Gunn's uh, new Suicide Squad movie. Um, and I believe he's involved some with the game as well, making sure it kind of fits, um, where, where he's taking those characters. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if like, you know, uh, John Cena's uh, peacemaker character shows up or, you know, different things like that, because, you know, uh, you know, it, it looks like, uh, they're going to do some pretty big integration with the rest of what happens in the DC world, right? Like you mentioned, Brainiac is, of course, is a Superman villain. Uh, name, of the, name of the thing is Kill the Justice League. Um, and so obviously, it, he it, takes over the Justice League, and you're going to have to go fight, you know, the Flash right. and Green Lantern, which I'm all about that, man. When, like what I said when I was it, playing DC right. Universe Online, that's that's my that's my shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it seems like they're they're positioning you in that true anti-hero role, just like the the Suicide yeah. Squad is. So, you know, hey, it, it, this one caught my eye a little bit more than Gotham Knights. It got me a little bit more excited because it, it does feel like a more fun, uh, bright, colorful gameplay that you can pop in and pop out. If you're playing solo, a lot more you humor can, in this one. A lot more humor. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll definitely see how that ties in. Um, this one is made by Rocksteady. Uh, so they're 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 the ones behind this one, of course. Um, it's still going to be published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. So it kind of makes you think, okay, why are they putting two Batman games out at pretty much the same time? Um, other right. than, you know, kind of goes back full circle with those movie licenses, right? The big movies coming out, you want to have something uh, interactive to tie in with it, right? I mean, uh, you know, I, I had a, a Batman Tiger Electronics handheld back in the day, right? I mean, they were right. willing to play everything on, on everything. Um <laughs> So I, I think there's probably a little bit with that with, with the Suicide Squad game. I don't know. I don't understand why we need a, uh, Gotham Knights to come out now. Um, I'm not mad about I it. I mean, maybe they're going to do some some sort of thing with the, the new Batman movie with uh, what's his name? Robert, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. 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 I mean, I don't know if he's actually going to appear in the game or anything. It's obviously a totally different universe and everything, but maybe they'll have like, oh, buy this game and you get a movie ticket or something like that. Yeah. But the Suicide Squad, it definitely ties in more to the new Suicide Squad movie. Now, this new game for the Suicide Squad, does it come out next year or does it come out in 2022? I thought they were saying it was going to come out in two years, whereas the Knights was going to come out next year. So, yeah, you're right. So the, the release date that we have for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is 2022. Gotham Knights was 2021. And okay. I, it, Gotham Knights, when they did the, the reveal, did look like more of a finished game um, than Suicide yeah, Squad did. Yeah, they were did. showing some gameplay and stuff, whereas with Suicide Squad, it was just the trailer, right? Right, so. exactly. Which was still awesome. 
Um, still great to see both of those where they're at. Um, and, you know, I, you, listen, as long as, as Suicide Squad is, is uh, you know, half as good as what I think the movie is going to be, I think it'll be fine. I, I, I'm really excited for the James Gunn uh, Suicide Squad movie because, uh, I mean, we've seen what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's, it's almost kind of a similar thing, right? Uh, you know, unlikely heroes and goofballs and humor. Right. And, so odd couples, yeah. you know, family. Exactly. So, so did, did you like the first Suicide Squad movie? Not at all. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I was not a fan either. It, it was pretty generic. Um, most of it. Um, yeah. And my biggest problem with it and, and, and not to get on a huge movie tangent, um, they gave, they spent so much time giving exposition to characters mm-hmm. that like, I, I didn't need Amanda Waller giving me a three and a half minute introduction for every member of the Suicide Squad, and then I right. you know you know uh, God bless him, but I, I don't really need to see Ike Barinholtz uh, as a security guard uh, character type being right. you know I don't know I I felt like it was a mess they were trying to do too much tie in with uh, with Jared Leto's Joker and and they were Ugh. teasing that <laughs> right I I was not a fan of that Joker at all. Um, oh. so, and, and I didn't like that. I, I saw Suicide Squad in the theaters. Um, I wish I hadn't, uh, yeah. I could probably use that 10 bucks to buy like, uh, you know, a Frappuccino at Starbucks or something. I don't know, but, uh, something uh, out, that of the, been... out of the recent DC movies, it was definitely the worst. I mean, I've, I've liked, yeah. I, I've liked it, obviously the Nolan movies, um, I, I even have, you know, some soft spots for like Batman versus Superman and the first Superman movie. And obviously Wonder Woman was amazing. Um, yeah, I think Wonder Woman sets the bar for what DC movies uh, can and should be. I'm interested yeah. to see what, what the new uh, Wonder Woman movie looks like. That one looks pretty good. Um, and actually, Set in my wheelhouse, man. 1984. <laughs> you got New Order on the soundtrack. Like that's it's like it's custom made for me. Yeah, I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, no, I actually, you know, it, and, and we'll we'll get on uh, whether or not with this, but uh, I actually, for what it was, I actually thought Aquaman was a fun watch. It was, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it was a dumb movie, uh, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> right. I wasn't you expecting know. a lot, but it was, it was entertaining. And that's all I asked for in my comic book. Movies, it was, right? it was a great movie. I watched it on a flight and it was like the perfect flight movie. Right. Like right. The, the only other movie I think that is up there with me for like best movie to watch on a plane uh, was I watched Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you just want to turn, movie. you just want to just turn your mind off and just watch some fast-paced uh, nonsense. Um, and so, like Aquaman, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, and probably really any of the other Fast and Furious uh, mm-hmm. uh, movies would be, you know, kind of a good fit there. But anywho, uh, you know, hey, Batman video games—they've been around uh, for uh, really uh, going on forty years, uh, if you include the Commodore sixty-four and, and stuff back there. Um, they're not going anywhere. We're going to keep yeah. getting Batman games. Hopefully we continue to raise the bar like the Arkham series did. Um, I got high hopes for these next two. Um, I got high hopes for what's happening uh, in impact wrestling coming back. Um, Definitely. And getting ready for uh bound for glory. Um, before we uh, go though, uh, Dan, who is you know obviously our guest host here, Dan, you've put together a, a little giveaway here. Oh yeah, almost forgot, right? <laughs> so we have, yeah. we have some stuff to give away. Um, 
I'll let I'll let you decide how it's given out. But what we have is we have a uh, Kurt Angle action figure um, that I purchased at the local collectible shop Retro Rat here in uh, Clearwater, Florida. Um, if you ever make it down here, this will be my free plug for them. Um, I, this is actually a WWE Kurt Angle figure, but you know what? He's wearing like basically the same gear. He's got the shaved head. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't have the stubble on his face right. like he did a lot in TNA. Um, and he's not bloody or anything. He's not all perked up in this, I don't think. But uh, I felt it fit. And he's, you know, I figured he's one of my favorite wrestlers. So we'll give that away to somebody. We've got a Scarecrow Funko Pop from Arkham Knight. Um, then we also have a <laughs> an outdated calendar. Um, it's a B- Batman <laughs> Arkham calendar. It ha- you know, obviously the dates aren't aren't up to date but you can it's still got great artwork on it it's it doesn't have like the dates on the artwork so if you want to you know take some of that artwork of batman or mr freeze or robin or whatever and i was yeah. i was gonna take it myself and and put it up in my rumpus room area but i decided i'd give it away so once i got <laughs> drafted onto the podcast here <laughs> that's awesome and, and we certainly appreciate uh, the, the giveaway stuff here um and and we kind of uh kind of quick uh quickly discussed this earlier but you know, I think that the best way to do it is uh, for the listeners, uh, go ahead and, and uh, suggest a video game topic that you want to hear uh, covered by the 8-Bit Suplex. You can tweet at us at 8-Bit Suplex, or you can send an email to 8-Bit Suplex at gmail.com, um, and your suggestion uh, will get you an entry. Uh, we'll give it a couple weeks uh, just to make sure everyone gets a chance to listen to this episode. Um, and then, obviously, when I post the uh, the episode and I, and I reference it on Twitter, I'll make sure... Everyone knows that they need to check out the episode for the giveaway details. Um, but this is a pretty uh, awesome prize pack. Um, uh, I, you know, you sent me a picture of the, the Scarecrow uh, Funko Pop, and that guy is pretty awesome. Um, so if, if for no other reason, you know, besides that Funko Pop, you know, send us a, <laughs> send us a, uh, a suggestion. And, uh, you know, if we, uh, we will either do a random name or, whichever topic we choose to go with uh, on the air. Well, I'll discuss that with Sandy, uh, but, uh, and maybe we'll have Dan back to discuss the topic, depending on what it is. Uh, and if Dan's available um, and uh, whoever uh, gets their topic picked, uh, we'll shoot the, uh, the giveaway uh, your way. Yeah. Good luck guys. <laughs> so uh, with that, uh, you know, I do want to always uh, say thank you to uh, Rich Latta of one nation radio for our intro and outro music. Um, it's really cool uh, uh, 8-bit uh, beat that he threw together for us. Um, you can follow us, uh, of course, like I said, on, at, on Twitter at 8-Bit Suplex. Uh, you can follow, of course, our, uh, the Social Suplex Podcast Network at uh, Social Suplex on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can go ahead and follow Sandy at Sailor Zelda. Uh, Dan, you want to throw out your Twitter handle as well? Because you, I will say this, um, as a completely independent objective statement, uh, Dan puts together some of the best uh, wrestling memes uh, that you'd ever see. Uh, so That's about Dan, like Dan, all I use my Twitter for. <laughs> it, it's glorious. So Dan, why don't you throw your Twitter handle out there? Yeah, it's uh, at Coffin underscore Dan uh, on Twitter. Like Josh says, I make uh, Simpsons memes, wrestling memes, Simpsons wrestling memes. And then I like dunking <laughs> on stupid politicians. That's like all I use my Twitter for. So. I think actually that's what Twitter was made for was memes and, 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 uh, back talking politicians. Uh, it's, it's perfect for that. Don't use it for anything else. That's all you really need. It's a great forum for that. Uh, definitely also head on over to pro wrestling, uh, dot com, uh, and, uh, slash, 
uh, I believe it's slash social suplex. I'm double checking right now because I should have done this before. Uh, I looked up 8-bit suplex on there the other day and it came up. So did it? Okay, so perfect. So if yeah. you head on over to Pro Wrestling Tees, you can either search for uh, social suplex um, or uh, 8-bit suplex. Uh, we do have a shirt on there. Uh, some of the other shows on the on the Social Suplex Podcast Network uh, have shows on there, and that is the correct URL. It is ProWrestlingTees.com slash social suplex uh you can get the social suplex shirt the one nation radio shirt the ricky and clive shirt the keeping a strong style shirt uh and of course the eight bit suplex shirt uh our shirt is a little different in that it's white and then we have a very colorful logo uh just like our old uh, favorite uh eight and 16 bit video games uh so definitely go ahead and check those out check out all of the other uh podcasts on the network uh like uh we've mentioned uh, several times here you got keeping a strong style with uh jeremy and josh one Nation Radio with Rich and James, The Ricky and Clive Show with Ricky and Clive, uh, Grave Consequences, uh, which of course is our new show uh, covering Lucha Underground with Caleb and Maserati, and uh, some of the other shows too. Uh, definitely make sure you talk, uh, grow them in. Uh, watch the shit is coming out. Uh, they're coming back with a return episode, I think, next week. Um, I, I know I'm forgetting. To, All Things Elite uh, uh, is another great show to listen to for those that are fans of All Elite Wrestling. Um, and if you go listen to that one, uh, tell him I tell Floyd I sent you, and tell him that Cody sucks. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't want you guys to get blocked by Floyd on social media. Don't tell him that. Um, but no, uh, seriously, go check out all the shows. Check out uh, everything on the Social Suplex uh, Podcast Network feed. Back next week, uh, we think is going to be uh, Sandy Gaviria returning from, of course, uh, being an international uh, TV superstar. Uh, on the raw underground uh, as as an extra, and hopefully uh, she uh, she has one more spot. I, I think that she's taping, um, but we'll definitely see if uh, Sandy wants to talk a little bit about that experience next week. But uh, Dan, thanks for coming on. Uh, this is a yeah. lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, Dan and I have, have spent uh, several car trips to Jacksonville and back, talking to each other, keeping each other awake at the wheel. Uh, I knew it would be an easy conversation with you, bud, and uh, I'm happy that you uh, agreed to come on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I was nervous at first, but obviously we got over that and probably bored people to tears with (laughs) our hours and hours of discussion. Um, But, yeah, I enjoyed it. Maybe I'll come back someday, make my second spot. All right, sounds good. If If you'll have me. uh, Oh, definitely. Listen, anybody anybody that uh, comes on this uh, podcast uh, and is willing to talk to me for two and a half, three hours – um, definitely deserves to do whatever they want if they want to come back. Um, so, but that said, uh, once again, uh, as, as the dad's, uh, the dad edition of this podcast ends, I want to remind you, of course, to shut your front door because you are not air conditioning the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.